Welcome to Let's Get Bitchin', your go-to spot for movie wrap-ups, media reviews, and everything you didn't ask for but are getting anyway. What are you waiting for? Let's Get Bitchin'. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Get Bitchin'. As always, I'm your host, Genesee Gabrielle, and this week we have an extra special guest host, my good friend, Frank. Hi, Hello, Frank. Hello, everybody. Hello. How you? <laughs> Um, I'm so excited to have you on. I don't think we've like talked like verbally since we met. Mm-mm. No. I love this. I th- this happens to me like frequently on the podcast where I'm just like, oh hey, I don't know you, but want to come on my podcast or like <laughs> crazy shit. Whereas like Frank and I have had a very long online relationship now. Mm-hmm. Um, we met a little over a year ago. Right? yeah it was pre it was like october it was october of or covid okay so yeah. so yeah we're going on our one and a half year anniversary me and frank and <laughs> it was love at first sight it really was it really was we were at a very small um birthday party for one of naomi's and frank's friends and um it was like it was like that awkward thing where like it was like not enough people to have like a big conversation going on but too few people to like have like true one-on-one conversations going on so like the birthday girl was busy with Naomi and then the boyfriend was sitting in the corner and then Frank and I just started talking about Taylor Swift I think I instigated that Um, yeah okay so I remember I do remember because it was (laughs) it was like the week that Miss Americana had come out Oh, was that it? I feel like I really, I tried to like replay the conversation in my head and I feel like you said something gay and I was like, hey, do you like Taylor Swift? I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it happened. (laughs) It was like the ultimate like flagging thing. Like I practically had like a bandana with Taylor Swift sticking out of my back pocket. (laughs) Yeah, and then I think you were like, have you heard about gayler theories? And I was like, oh, bitch. No, you, you, I, I have to give you ultimate credit that I had never heard you of never even heard the of idea until we met and you start. you said something and I was like, wait, what? Oh and then you God. like ta- taught me the gospel truth of Cornelia Street and I didn't know that. Yeah, you taught me about Gaylor. Yeah. You just made my week. This is incredible. I brought the good word of taylor swift into your life i'm so excited oh my gosh i had just never even conceived of the possibility i had never even occurred to me right and that's why i feel so passionately about things like that and about um larry stylinson theories and things like that because it's just heteronormativity literally the only reason we haven't thought about shit like that is because of bullshit heteronormativity that's like oh we see someone and assume that they're straight that's fucked up yeah I mean I'm I'm intrigued I and I know we can't get too much into the I I don't how do you say the the coupling of Harry Styles and <laughs> Louis Thomas say it again Larry Stylinson Larry Stylinson okay it's interesting because we can't get into that because no but it's very interesting maybe we should need to have another episode about it because Naomi and I are gonna do an episode on it it's gonna come to you okay don't even sweat it okay it's because happening. I was hyperly aware of that concept as okay. a very young, like as soon, as soon as One Direction was out, because I mean, you know, fan fiction and right. that world. And so like, I was always like shipping and daydreaming that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but yeah, Gaylor was just a completely, I think in that case, definitely heteronormativity for me. Like yeah. 
never even conceiving of it. And that's something in the last few days, I've like found myself really, really thinking about Gaylor and the narrative around Gaylor because like, first of all, it has its own name, Gaylor <laughs> theories, right? Yeah. And I've been getting very upset that we call them theories and we call them conspiracy theories. Mm. And that's how we talk about them because it has to be a conspiracy that Taylor Swift is gay. Whereas right. like, there are things that have like, less fan evidence or whatever you want to call it that like about her dating men like if taylor swift gets coffee with a man they're the whole internet is like oh my god they're I mean, if she gains a pound and a half she's pregnant anyway. <laughs> right no that's that's what it is and um whereas she's straight up seen making out with carly Kloss at a rooftop party and they're like no no way she's gay Boy, they're, they're just roommates they're just Obviously, Tennessee, you just need, you're reading too much into it they're i am yeah because i just want everything to be heterosexual people <laughs> just make out on rooftops and like <laughs> wear each other's clothes and like hold hands walking down the street which i mean and do a partially right? nude underwear photo shoot <laughs> together right right i mean like if it which is funny because like there that is some, t- some of those things like sharing clothes and holding hands can totally be a friend intimacy thing. Right. And then I think that, and I'm like, well, then why isn't that a thing with like male and female best friends? Why don't we normalize that? Like if right. I was to walk down the street with my male best friend, everyone would assume we're dating. Right. Fucking right. And I think that that goes into this really, and I've always been really annoyed at that because as a non-normative cisgendered man, you know, who is... Yeah either very good friends with women mm-hmm. or you know you know whatever um and being that level of intimacy that can go without any type of social scrutiny yeah. for relatively heteronormative women that they can just like sleep in the same bed oh yeah and there's never you know you're like oh girlfriends you know 100% I as like a teenager I was 100% making out with my friends doing all mm-hmm. sorts of shit and I like grew up and like told my mom about it and she was like shit I was like yeah (laughs) the rules that were created about sleepovers really worked to my benefit oh I know yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's like uh it's like uh you know that concept of like gay camp whatever that's an idiotic idea (laughs) you're sending them to like if you want it to be normal send them to an all-girls school They can grow to an all-girls Catholic school. That's the best bet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so if you haven't gotten it already, we're going to talk about Taylor Swift today. Um, and more specifically, we're not talking necessarily about Gaylor theories today. <laughs> if you yourself are not familiar with Gaylor theories, lucky for you, we have a whole episode on it called Let's Get Gaylor. So y'all should listen to that because it was fire. It was a mad bitch in episode. Thank you. Yeah, that was after he listened to that episode, he texted me and he was like, Genesee, I have to come on your podcast. I was like, well, obviously. (laughs) I shamelessly invited myself like Maleficent showing up to the (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Um, It made me feel very special and cool. I was like, yes, Frank, please come on the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Also, because Frank came up with his own idea. You were like, I know what we should talk about. That's true. Um, which I would not have thought about this. So Frank texted me and was like, I listened to your Taylor episode. This is amazing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to bring you on to take a talk about Taylor Swift, but I don't know what we should talk about because you can't just talk about Taylor Swift. That's like too much. Too no, blase. and also too blase. Like, yeah, 
too boring. Be too Bill O'Reilly of us to do. <laughs> and that's not us. So no. he was like, what if we talk about like the cottage core phenomena and around like Taylor Swift and like the witch theories around <laughs> Taylor Swift, right? And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Cause that is not something that I would have thought to do. Um, so do you want to tell me a little bit about like your witchy self? Yeah, um, my, I'm, I'm <clears throat> very eclectic. I, I put the capital E in eclectic. Um, for those of you who are familiar with the overall like Wiccan witch side of the universe, which is very much like a parallel universe. Um, yeah, I like blend a lot of things in my own personal like craft. And I'm also like identify as a Christian as well. So that's nuanced and that kind of puts me into like a liminal, bit of a liminal space between the communities of like, some people hate me because I'm loyal to one. The other side wants to burn me if they found out what I did, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So it's a little bit tense at times, but uh, <laughs> but it's a fun tension, exercises the muscles. Um, and yeah, so I think I would say I've been identified as a practicing, um, as a practitioner since about, uh, September of 2019. So I will put like a full disclaimer that like, I don't speak for the community. I, everybody's different, especially in our particular community because everybody, it's all about finding your own path. Um, people disagree on things. Um, people will yeah there's just all kinds of disagreements and agreements and so I certainly don't would never be like oh witches do this or Wiccans do that whatever no um that's not what I'm about and um so I recognize that my my experience is limited but I do also give myself credit that I I'm a somebody who wants to go like back to the source about anything that I'm learning about like if it's psychoanalysis, I want to know the first psychoanalyst that ever existed and read what they had to say, or the oldest translation of the Bible, or the oldest book on, you know, witchcraft, whatever it is, I want the oldest. So I do kind of try to do exhaustive research before I make a decision about something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have done like a lot of like more like academic reading of like articles and things. And yeah, does that answer the question? Well, yes, okay. it does. I mean, there wasn't really like a wrong answer. True. Yeah, you did great. Pass. I guess. I will. <laughs> oh, good. I will also say, like, um, because it does pertain to cottage core, and the discussion of the intersection of those two. That my personal craft, like, there's conversations, especially if you're on TikTok and you've wandered into the crazy realm of witch talk. Um, there's this like, can you can sometimes come across the debate of like an aesthetic witch versus a real witch, and it's just like really this like conflict um of this idea that are you are you genuinely practicing something spiritual or are you like creating like the instagram worthy shot of like your altar or whatever and how where is your intentions at and all of these things and that's something that i do want to talk about but for me i am an aesthetically driven person in my craft so i i'm very like i'm very symmetrical and everything so i really always like lay it out there's like people who like do their spells while going 80 miles an hour down the freeway and they're like that chaotic energy I can't do that <laughs> I practice out in the woods you know I really kind of harness that like New Englandy Salem vibe and so I feel like that intersects with the cottage core aesthetic um so that is something that 
funny. I'm kind of celtic and New England and kind of place myself into that colonial style um, vibe. Very cool. Um, I really appreciate that. I appreciate the kind of like background about where you're coming from and um, especially the idea that like we don't speak for the entirety of the communities that we're a part mm-hmm. of. I think that's really important. Um, I don't know if I've officially made that disclaimer on the podcast before, but like with any guests that I have on, with anything that I talk about, I'm talking about from my perspective and my guest is talking about it from their perspective. Um, I don't represent all queers. I don't represent all bi pansexuals. Like that's not how it works, but um, I can speak from my own uh, experience in that identity. Um, I'm not a practicing witch. So having this as a topic was super, uh, I think, super awesome for me to get to like learn a bit more about something that I know about um my roommate's a witch my I have like family members and friends who practice or are like spiritually witchy but possibly mm-hmm. not like practicing mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time thinking about witchcraft mm-hmm. um I it is something that I'm very interested in and I feel I'm a very spiritual person not mm-hmm. I have a very complicated like relationship with religion, but I feel very drawn to witchcraft because it's, it feels like something very like spiritually palpable to me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing is, I have a great respect for witchcraft and for the power of like everything that that can entail, Mm -hmm. um, which is part of why I don't practice because I'm really worried that I'll fuck something up. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, like I feel like you're just you're tapping into something so big mm-hmm. <laughs> and and potentially powerful and a lot. And um, yeah, I just I don't think it's a good idea for me to fuck with that. And I think that that's honestly probably like of all the mindsets that you can have about it. Um, that's probably like that's definitely like the safest mindset to have because yeah I mean if you never get involved you'll never you know accidentally open up a portal to the eighth dimension and you know let out Beelzebub um, that would be me. <laughs> I would be that bitch right, right. and as somebody it, I agree like it's very palpable it's very real real and that is what has drawn me because kind of as soon as I started getting involved um and practicing you know all these very miraculous things were happening and um something that will probably come up later i'm i'm also full disclaimer like something that makes me slightly unpopular in both queer communities and also like witch communities is like i i have a little bit of gatekeeper energy um sometimes especially around um the witch community and witch talk because like if you spend even a couple hours in the witch talk world like I don't know for me I can get a vibe off of the people who are making videos of like somebody who is and it's like I hate to say genuine because it's like I just feel like I'm judging everybody and I'm kind of naturally like I grew up in a judgmental household so I feel like I have that trait that I have to like deconstruct but vibes for me vibes don't lie um so I do kind of console myself with that like I'm reading a vibe and vibes are vibes and so like there's some people I guess like amongst the community some people will joke about like a love and light witches or oh, love, yeah. love and light bitches he said as he signs his emails with love and light but um oh, you, know, you do not I do, <laughs> you are I funny. do. <laughs> but um but it's this concept of like you know are you 
it's like I'm gonna light a candle and I'm just gonna manifest it and then it's gonna happen and I'm a witch I'm like look at me and it's like that certainly happens that certainly works like that's a part of it but is that as far as you're going and to what type of like what mindset do you have when you're engaging in that practice and is it like I hate to say but is it genuine and I think it like for me personally like I have had to learn the lessons of when you are involved in the practice like things happen Mm -hmm. sometimes completely beyond your control I had to deal with something recently where I was like dang I really messed up and caused something bad to happen now I have to fix it and that's where it's like it quickly turns from you know like Arwen and Lord of the Rings to you know chilling adventures of Sabrina like having to trap a demon in a box like in <laughs> you know that kind of thing it goes from zero to 100 really fast so <laughs> I admire that you have that mindset of like you believe in it you believe it's real and you are choosing to abstain <laughs> Yeah, I don't like, want to have to trap a demon in a box. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, so after you texted me, I did a bunch of research. I don't often do a lot of research for podcast episodes because I normally don't have to. Like, there's some things where I, like, need to pull other things out. Um, I'm doing an episode soon on WandaVision, and I'm doing a lot of research for that because there's a lot of, there are a lot of things in that um, that make it problematic that I need outside sources on, and this was kind of a similar thing where I was like, um, Frank and I talked about this a lot. I had a, I had a whole moment, capital M moment last week, I was doing, I started my research last Friday for our uh, episode and I started with the cottage core side of things. Um, and I was on my way to my naturopath appointment, which I also <laughs> feel like really sad. <laughs> and, I'm sorry, go on. It's funny because you guys don't know what she's about to say yet. <laughs> So I was on my way to my naturopath appointment and I'm reading these articles on the bus and I had only heard about like cottagecore in relation to like explicitly cottagecore lesbians, right? Mm -hmm. And it was something that I was like kind of familiar with, but I was like, oh, well, cottagecore belongs to the lesbians. I, I identify as a bisexual, so I don't think that counts for me. I don't know. I felt really weird about it. Lesbians and I, like, we, we have a complicated relation. I don't want to step on lesbian t- toes. You know what I mean? Like I have such respect for lesbians and like, I don't want to be out here like being like, oh, I'm a lesbian, but I'm a bisexual. I don't know. It's very complicated. There are so many nuances to like queer identities and all of that stuff. For sure. And I'm right there with you as like a cisgendered man, like right. also I mean, I don't go around hashtagging my posts with cottagecore, but I would definitely say like, and at the risk of sounding very hipstery, I was kind of cottagecore-y before it was cottagecore, just because I grew up in the country on a farm. Like, right. so yeah. cottagecore is kind of like my childhood a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely a weird place to be in when it's so heavily associated and now disassociated with sapphic, you know, yeah. existence. Yeah, which I do really identify with sapphic existence, but like for some reason the term lesbian is like it doesn't right. belong to me. I don't know. It's that's something I'm working because yeah, you're the bee. You know, you're the bee. I'm the bee. Yeah, which in more ways than one. <laughs> I'm the bitch. 
Um, yeah, there's a lot around uh, bisexual identity for sure, which is a whole other podcast. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> but so I was reading this and I was like learning what cottage core is. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. And so I was like, I was reading it and they were like describing the aesthetic of like, of like, you know, foggy mornings reading on a porch. I was like, I literally do that. I literally do that on my front porch. And then they were like, it's like being drawn to like, like making bread and like, um, like a return to like domesticity without centering the male gaze um, and like without centering like masculine. There was a line from um, one of the articles that I read that I love. I printed out this article after I read it and annotated it because I was just so absolutely enamored with it. Um, it's by Vox. I'll probably share like a screenshot of the article to Instagram um, with this episode. And <laughs> the line was, Cottagecore offers a vision of the world where men are not consciously excluded. They are simply an afterthought. And I was mm, like, I know, yeah. If that ain't me. <laughs> I know. That was, over the, I remember, I didn't know that was the line you were going to quote. That was a great line. I remember like taking a sigh and being like, that is what it's about, bitch. <laughs> that is, that is what it's about. And in this article, there were just so many things. So I was like reading it and I was like, oh my God, am I cottagecore? Like, am I allowed to be cottagecore? Am I cottagecore? And then I got to like the end of this box article that was like, they said in this way, cottagecore is a state of mind more so than a style of dress or a purchasable product mm. able to be tapped into at any time or merged with other interests like witches or fairies. And I was like, fuck, I'm cottagecore. Yeah, I am cottagecore. Mm-hmm. And it, it totally like blew up my mind. And I, I got to my naturopath yeah. and my naturopath is sticking me with needles. And I was like, hey, do you guys know what cottage core is? <laughs> and my naturopath and the, the woman who was practicing with her that day were both like, no, what is it? They didn't know either. Oh my gosh. You converted new members to our ranks. <laughs> I did. I did. And then I got home from my naturopath appointment and my roommates were there. And like it was like one roommate entering at a time. And so I was like talking to one of my roommates. I was like, Maya, today I learned what cottage core is. And I'm cottagecore. And everyone, everyone of my roommates and Naomi were like, you didn't know that? I was like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> you knew? Everybody knew and no one told me? <laughs> I just, I love this because like, again, like then like queering this whole story that you just told just makes me think of those like anecdotes that you hear about like kids like, or like people who are adults but writing about their childhood and like maybe they like grew up in like a relatively progressive midwestern home <laughs> and like they're like then I got on like cosmopolitan at you know the age of 16 and read about you know homosexuality and I realized oh my god that's what I've been my whole life and it's like how did you not and then they go and they're like mom I think I might be gay I'm like uh, yeah we knew that <laughs> like we thought you knew <laughs> Yes, that's what happened. This is exactly your experience. And it was so funny because then like all my roommates were like laughing. And it was such a like a loving experience too. They were all like, I'm so happy for you that you like, you've learned this about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And um, they were all like, it's like you're coming out all over again. (laughs) 
it was incredible. And then I made a rosemary olive oil focaccia bread mm-hmm. from scratch because what else are you going to, that was like my coming out present to myself. That was like, right. Yeah. It's like the people like dye their hair rainbow or what, or, you know, paint rainbows on their nails the next yeah. day before school, you know, you rosemary focaccia bread. <laughs> yes. That's what I did. And I sipped my tea the next morning with my focaccia bread for breakfast. It was. Did you listen to folklore though? I always listen to folklore, bitch. Okay, good. I'm good. always listening to folklore. Okay, good. And I think that's a great segue into um, Taylor. So like when Frank told me this, I knew that cottagecore belonged to the lesbians. I obviously had no idea what cottagecore was in its like practice, but he was, he told me, you were like, oh, um, they're trying to say that Taylor Swift brought cottage corn mm-hmm. to the mainstream. Yep. And I was like, um, excuse you. If there's one thing I, there was, there was literally one thing I knew about cottage core before doing this research. And it was that cottage core belongs to the lesbians. Mm-hmm. Which and, is such a good foundation that you have. Right. Oh shit. <laughs> There's my pen. I'm getting <laughs> so passionate. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find, um, when we started talking about it. It was a few weeks ago, I think. Yeah. Like two or three weeks ago. Um, And it's so interesting because like you sent me a few articles and I was looking it up and I was looking up like a few different things. So I was like looking up origins of cottage core, Taylor Swift cottage core, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of the articles that came up for Taylor Swift cottage core were like giving Taylor Swift credit for cottagecore or like just talking about how cottagecore Taylor Swift is and um something I really liked about the Vox article was that Taylor Swift is mentioned in it but like barely yeah and other than that it's just like hey this is what cottagecore is by the way also Taylor Swift is cottagecore mm-hmm. um moving on to frogs which did you know that frogs are canonically lesbian and that was something that I had uh was not I guess I I was reminded of by the Vox article, not necessarily lesbian. I didn't think about it as canonically lesbian, but like I do remember learning about and being fascinated at an early age with their like ability to like change genders. Can't they like change their gender to reproduce? They can. Yeah. So I was at my naturopath's office and I was telling her, I was like, okay, so in addition to cottage core, did you know that frogs were lesbians? Yeah. (laughs) You probably sounded so high. I wasn't. This is me straight as dead ass sober. I am currently sober, by the way. I'm, I haven't even had a cider. This is incredible. And so, and she was like, she was like, really? And so she looked it up and she was like, oh yeah, which um, for those of you that don't know, in Oregon, um, all licensed uh, NDs, naturopaths have to be like, they're full doctors. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, other states aren't quite like that. In order to be a licensed naturopath, you don't have to be an MD um and so she has an MD and then in addition to that has naturopathic training so she's a full-ass awesome bitch doctor and (laughs) she's the best I love her and um she like is sitting there in our appointment looking looking up frogs (laughs) lesbians (laughs) (laughs) probably coming across horrible hentai videos (laughs) and she was like oh yeah so what it is is frogs are um there's a special word for it. I think it's close to cyclically, but I don't think that is what it is. Hemaphroditic. Yeah. 
And um, so after they procreate, they transform genders into um, being females. Yeah. So after they have procreated and the men have served their purpose, they all become women and are happy frog lesbians together. So amazing. Isn't that incredible? Mm-hmm. I'm so happy for the frogs. Um, and <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I was like talking to my doctor. I was like, yeah, also the moon, uh, the moon's a lesbian too. And she's like, well, that checks out. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So it was just this very interesting journey I had last Friday. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And so you, my, you even like uploaded. I just have to give the detail of the fact that like how you actually like came out as cottage core to the world was a picture of a bouquet of daffodils. I'm pretty sure it was like oh, it was no. something yellow, very yellow roses. Oh, there yellow roses. Yellow roses. Yes. They're sitting. And you were like, there. y'all. I'm cottage core. Oh, there they are. Oh well, you they're, guys. They're in a tiny glass boot. <laughs> and I, I uploaded this other picture to my to my business Instagram not my personal one I have a big glass boot of full-size red roses as well <laughs> yeah so she comes out with a bouquet picture which again just like re and then like three hours later or something you know focaccia bread out of the oven <laughs> I don't do anything halfway <laughs> I was, I was we have that in common and then the next day, I wore uh, this like flowery dress, <laughs> like dark blue flowery dress. It was the most, and it was amazing. I'm really also the the picture of the roses had a um, cross stitch behind it in the picture of oh, a Taylor Swift right quote. of a Taylor Swift quote. Yeah, mm-hmm. from yeah. it was literally the most contemporary <laughs> moment of your stories probably in history and. It was already there. Like you just took a picture, still shot of your actual life. You didn't even, I mean, some people will find it out and then they're like, create the aesthetic. And that's kind of right. like when you decide that you're a witch or something, then you're going to go and I'm going to, oh, I'm going to get my cauldron and my crystals. You like already had it. I had all of these things. I just had to get the flowers. Literally. I had everything in my cupboards to make the focaccia bread. I just had to get the flowers to put in these nice little glass cowboy boots that we already owned. And I, my wall is covered in cross stitches. I mean, it's, yeah, I am cottagecore. I have been this whole fucking time. I also have like on my back wall, I'm like looking at it right now. I have like a few cross stitches of Taylor Swift quotes. I have a cross stitch that says, just because you're trash doesn't mean you can't do great things. It's called garbage can, not garbage cannot. Um, I have one of those like little letter board things and I have a silhouette like picture of my pug. <laughs> I'm gonna show it to you. Like you need to understand what's happening here. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I've so been cottage core. I'm so core. And nobody told me. <laughs> but I wouldn't have understood. This was so much better than anyone telling me, yeah. um, because I came to it naturally. But also, folklore is now like my favorite Taylor Swift album. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's basically tied with Red because Red has been my favorite for so long mm. that I feel like I need to give it time before Folklore truly becomes my favorite. Mm. Um, but Folklore, I, I absolutely love it. It has such a special place in my heart and it is cottagecore. Folklore is cottagecore. Oh, 100%. Um, and then she came out with Evermore, which is the sister album, which is mm. like... It's, it's like the witchy sister. 
Yes. Of folklore. Yes. Um, and it's so funny. So I was reading that the Mary Sue, is that what it's called? The mm-hmm. Mary Sue article about Taylor Swift being a witch, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I finally read it today. And it's a good article. Anything from the Mary Sue is going to be good. Oh yeah, for sure. And it was a, it was a good article. It was really interesting. Um, as I was reading it, cause I was thinking about what you said and I think Frank and I were kind of having a conversation about like the, the question I feel like that has to come up with celebrities when they choose a certain aesthetic is, is it appropriation, right? If it's not like from a culture that they're a part of, like, are they appropriating that culture? I think that's where Frank and I, when he first messaged me, that was my first thought mm-hmm. was, is she a witch or is she appropriating witch culture? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because we have a same conversation ongoing on mm-hmm. this podcast, apparently of, Taylor Swift in queer culture, right? Is she queer or is she appropriating queer culture? And that's not something that we can answer without her outing herself, which I also don't necessarily want her to put herself in a situation where she has to out herself because that's going to be dangerous for her, right? Right. Um, And so then I was like, I was reading this article and I was like thinking about it and I was like, Taylor Swift came out as a witch. I feel like that's happened. Like Taylor Swift has like told us, she's given us the signs mm-hmm. and like she, I never in my wildest dreams did I think that Taylor Swift was going to be out here casually saying she was a witch before mm-hmm. like coming out as queer. Right. How did that happen? How did we get here? So that's actually an interesting point that you bring up because I just actually recently had a conversation with somebody who is very, who I'm very close with, who's actually um, he doesn't identify as a witch, but he's a, actually a Lakota Sioux shaman. Um, and um, we were just having these conversations about things that have come up with me at my work where some people have become like slightly intrigued, but also skeptical of some of the things, you know, cause I, I feel like I, I give off the vibe. Um, <clears throat> and, and so we were just talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that in both of our opinions, and I think a lot of people would agree and we had this conversation about that in our opinions, you know, it's almost harder to come out of the broom closet that. So that's the phrase that we have is coming out of the broom closet. I, I love that. that. <clears throat> um, and, you know, it's almost harder to come out of the broom closet depending on your, your circle mm-hmm. um, or where you're at in your environment um, than it is to come out of the actual like closet. And so for me, and I think we'll get to it that is what makes me seriously question mm. Taylor Swift's status mm. as a witch because she has had absolutely zero problem <clears throat> with being like, huh, witches be like on her Twitter. And like right. that, like, I'm mean, again, I'm going to sound judgy, but because I feel like we've had time to ruminate on these things of like when she made that tweet of like, you ever, you know, feel like you're going out into the woods at night to meet a secret lover and come across a coven of witches no but don't want your music to make you feel that way buy my album like (laughs) and I just was like so irritated I was genuinely mad when I saw that tweet and just that ability to be casual especially when taken into consideration that there is a long line of well not maybe not a long line but a line of um cisgendered presumably straight um, white female singers Mm -hmm. who have been icons of the witch community, namely Stevie Nicks, 
um, also um, to a certain extent share, um, mainly for her role in Practical Magic. Um, and also a lesser known name would be Lorena McKenna of the New Age um, music world of these women who are kind of have always been perceived as Sarah McLaughlin also. There's an article that we used in our research that mentioned this list of women who are kind of icons of, you know, people who don't want to admit it would be like, oh, they're indie or whatever, especially mm -hmm. like Sarah McLaughlin. Um, <clears throat> you can have Sarah McLaughlin singing in Toy Story 2 about when she loved me and, you know, being at, um, you know, the, the feminist indie concert festivals and no no she's she's straight and she's not a witch you know <laughs> okay um, <laughs> and um and so you have this long line especially stevie nicks who has come under serious scrutiny in her life and career mm -hmm. um for her music she made incredible strides in representing aspects of especially celtic centered pagan wiccan themes with like rihanna and especially um where she got major heat and was actually canceled in a lot of circles of conservative Christian America because she was perceived as a witch. She wore all black in a lot of her concerts. Um, she just has, she drops hints. And her, the difference I feel like, I mean, I think she could be criticized potentially the same way as we're criticizing Taylor Swift now, mm -hmm. or at least scrutinizing Taylor Swift, I guess we should say. Um, but the simple fact that she has constantly denied it like at, during periods of her career, Stevie Nicks has of like, no, you know, like, why can't I just be this way? And why, why do I have to be? And it's that same kind of resistance that, you know, people who are queer face when they're questioned about like, why can't I just be friends with another girl? And, you yeah. know, or why can't I just be single in college when in reality, they're, you know, not ready to come out. Um, so I see that and I trust. And then especially with Stevie Nicks, then more recently as which, which, I hate to say the term witchiness, but I will describe it as witchiness has become popular that she can appear in like, you know, American Horror Story Coven and mm -hmm. things like that. And I feel finally feel safe enough to kind of more be who she is. I mean, the woman owns like 2000 shawls and scarves as somebody who also owns like 2000 shawls and scarves. She's a witch. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I feel like that's my problem is I I feel like she is sending signals that she thinks it's kind of a game and right. it's an aesthetic and it's fun. And ooh, I'm going to be the mysterious woman on the edge of town. I'm going to be a witch. I might not be. And it's like, people <laughs> have died. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where I come from. And maybe I, and uh, people accuse me of taking it morbid really fast about issues of appropriation, but people well, have died. That is the problem. That is the problem with appropriation is that you're you're taking something as like a trend mm -hmm. and that pe that is life threatening to people who actually identified as it and you're you're standing on the cusp and I think that that is a valid critique um, and criticism of that. The the problem with talking about famous people period and like peering into their lives mm -hmm. is it it ultimately comes down to we don't know what happens but behind their closed doors. Like we don't maybe taylor swift has been maybe she is famous because she cast a spell we don't know right yeah maybe you know like this <laughs> <laughs> it maybe she got <laughs> joe alwyn because she cast a spell like right. i i which i personally am not a huge fan of joe alwyn so like i don't know why you would want that from the spell but, mm -hmm. but maybe that was like the backlash right well or maybe it maybe it's i mean 
going into like a very niche aspect of, of witchcraft with that threefold rule or like in general what like the normal world would think of like be careful what you wish for right you know who knows maybe she you know made a pact with the devil make me famous okay but i'm gonna make you be famous in this way <laughs> and you wish you hadn't been famous <laughs> maybe but that's a stretch because i think she's fairly happy with her life <laughs> And I think that that's part of it for me is like, I, I am trying, I have been trying more so now to like, not assume a whole lot of famous people, um, in terms of like, where they're coming from, like, because I mean, there's sometimes when it's obviously like harmful and it's obviously like, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. Don't do that. You know, um, like for Taylor Swift, multiple accounts of her appropriating black culture mm-hmm. multiple um most of her relationship with beyonce <laughs> and, and also like you need to calm down like there are things that taylor swift has done that are at the very least inappropriate um and mm-hmm. also potentially harmful um but like in terms of like this question of is she appropriating which culture it comes down to like <clears throat> I think like we can't really tell how much of a witch she is, you know, because <laughs> that's a bit between her and whatever God she, she right. Um, but it's it's very interesting, and I think that what you are getting to is like there is a question when we see her, like, I, and I was wondering the same thing is like, are you practicing witchcraft or is this the aesthetic? Like, do you like <laughs> the witch aesthetic? Right. Um. Like how I don't practice, I mm. definitely wouldn't say I have a witch aesthetic, but I spiritually feel, mm-hmm. you know, pulled to to witchcraft. Right. Um, there are different places to be at on the spectrum. Some people yeah. are totally away from it. Um, and so, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying a witch aesthetic, but then saying like, you're, you're right, she is like dropping all of these things that are like, oh, I'm a witch. I enjoy witching things. Um, part of me wonders if it's because like her audience has reached a point where like, she's not concerned right now about like whether or not she's going to lose her audience because most of her audience are like our age people who like are either witches or no witches. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, um, at least think it's cool. Right. It's crazy to me. I have such culture shock because I'm originally from Southern California. And so sometimes I'll go home and like, just be casually talking about, you know, witch stuff or like mm-hmm. full moon, surveyor signs, whatever. You can't interview for a house or an apartment in Portland, Oregon without them asking you what your Zodiac sign is. Do right. you practice witchcraft? Do you smoke pot? Those right. are the interview questions. Right. Also, do you have a pet? Right. <laughs> And that's always like as you're leaving, like the important questions, like start with your zodiac sign. Right. Um, sometimes they start with pot if they're really into pot. But like I go to Southern California and like heads will turn if you're yeah. talking about crystals. Yeah. They're like crystals. Yeah. Crystals. Or they're like, oh, that's that's terrible. Like I if I'm hanging out with like some of my friends from like middle school and high school, their families, uh-huh. I just have to like keep my mouth shut because I'm going to say some queer shit or some. That's fascinating. Do you mind if I ask like what specific part of Southern California you're talking about? Yeah. So I'm from the Inland Empire, i.e. Okay. Um, I'm from Riverside, California. Okay. So that's not on the coast. That's like central, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, we're like an hour and a half away from from the coast. I'm okay. like about an so hour. You're not necessarily like in like the, in the words of like the Republicans, like the commie big cities. Like you're kind of more out where like you can find like more conservative people. Oh yeah, so the Inland Empire is like, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but we are like this weird little conservative bubble bubble gotcha. in in uh, Southern California, um, uh-huh. which there are a lot of conservative bubbles throughout California, a lot. Um, I went to college in another conservative bubble. Um, Well, the college town I lived in was Mm. not, they were very liberal and it was a very like pro green Mm. uh, county, but like in terms of like the homosexuals and the the guns and the (laughs) people of color, like that was all, all of. Yeah. Yeah, and that's interesting. Um, and I think, yeah, it speaks to the fact of like that I've had to deal with. I mean, I, I work at a private Catholic school for mm-hmm. reference to. Um, and, you know, it's a very, even the, like there can even be like a block in Portland. That's a bubble, you know, in that yeah. case, or a couple blocks or like a tiny little area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the problem with the, trend overall so i guess i should say like in my view and this is a little bit of a gatekeeper view mm-hmm. um there's a difference between witchcraft and witchiness right. witchiness or witchy is like oh i'm doing witchy things or oh she looks so witchy or well, oh i love this it. witchy yeah and i feel like that is this kind of more mo- modern or like this current trendy aesthetic driven um can be can be love and light it's not necessarily love and light because there's like the ones who like want to be like you know like I feel like there's like love and light witches witches and there's like the ones who like have like the Billie Eilish vibe like they're like the I'm a dark like I'm like you know or that they listen to Lana Del Rey maybe or you know season of the witch on repeat which again guilty but you know that's not all I do so you know <laughs> I think that there's that but that term witchiness and there's a great um um there's a great podcast that i listened to um i can't quite remember the name of it i've only listened to a couple episodes but it they had a whole episode oh it's called seeking witchcraft it's a great podcast and they had an episode talking about that term witchiness or actually also the the phrase baby witch baby witch is also a very problematic phrase baby witch like you'll see that a lot with people who are new to the craft, especially if they're TikTok learners or Instagram learners, where as they begin to feel comfortable enough to do their, start doing their own practice, right. they'll like post about it or even they'll just, or even they'll just talk with their other witch friends about um, like, oh, but I'm just a baby witch. So like, you know, mm-hmm. I can only, you know, all I know how to do is like do some herb stuff or whatever. I'm just a baby witch. And it's just like really toxic um, tied up with like, performance culture and imposter syndrome but also it's it's a hierarchy which witchcraft in general has a horrible problem with because stemming from its origins with Gerald Gardner and things of it is grounded in hierarchy but um I think that it's perpetuated by the same thing that we kind of decry about social media in general of like these people who are on social media who look perfect or they have the aesthetic perfect 
-hmm. and they just everything they do is magic and they just or or everything they do is cottage core whatever you know whether you can substitute whatever subculture into this and it's true of like there's the influencers who have it all great or at least appear to and it perpetuates this imposter syndrome for people who honestly I mean again this is gatekeeper will probably if they just trusted themselves and their intuition would become more powerful than those influencers because a lot of those influencers are just doing it for the aesthetic Mm. and they are just kind of doing it for the influence not all of them but some of them for sure but people literally sell themselves short because of this culture and and then they'll call themselves I'm just a baby witch well when do you stop becoming a baby witch and become a full grown ass woman and or a man or non-binary pal witch like (laughs) when do you become when do you cross that threshold especially if you're not in a gardenarian society or something like that where there's a I became the top I graduated so I'm done right you know so I think you bring up a really good point which is something that came up for me I didn't really know how to articulate it when you were talking about more specifically about Taylor Swift. And I think it's the idea that like, you know, I said, I don't really want to say like, oh, Taylor Swift isn't a real witch. I really appreciate you mm-hmm. like acknowledging the the idea of like the gatekeeping. Right. That's super important. Um, and I think that in certain aspects that even has a place where that mm-hmm. can be appropriate. Um, but I really appreciate you being cognizant of that. Right. And also um, when we're talking about Taylor Swift, like, I don't even think that there's necessarily, like, part of it's the gatekeeping of, like, what I was talking about, like, well, I don't really want to be, like, oh, well, Taylor Swift can't really be a witch, because we don't know if she's Mm -hmm. doing this, that, or this thing, you know, like, has she passed that threshold? That's her business, and that's whatever. I think there is something really important to be said about, like, what you're saying about, like, the idea of, like, influencers, and um, this is a huge problem that I've seen. I'm not even like really in the witch community. And mm-hmm. I've seen so many white bitch witches mm-hmm. like coming out here, monetizing witchcraft, mm-hmm. making like thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. off of witchcraft, which is, uh, from my understanding, historically um, not a white person thing that d- like it is. Oh, like witchcraft, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's harmful. I mean, mm-hmm. I, w- I want to say problematic, but no, it's straight up harmful and, yeah. um, and not okay. And some, mm-hmm. some white supremacist bullshit and 150 million percent. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's, that's where I get into more of a problem with Taylor Swift talking about witch stuff. For me, it's mm-hmm. not really a question of whether or not she's a witch. It is the, um, privilege that comes with her being a white woman who is Mm -hmm. also um in a certain like social class very famous has a very solidified career at this point we're seeing taylor swift make a lot of moves with her music with her career she's saying a bunch of shit she wouldn't have said before she's she's re-releasing her albums with a bunch of tracks that she wasn't allowed to release when she was younger because now like she is First of all, she doesn't really need to be worried about being canceled. Like, I'm sure that would really, <laughs> really hurt her mental health after watching Miss Americana. Like, that would suck. Right. But, like, monetarily, she's going to be fine. She's also, <laughs> like, she escaped to a little cottage in 
in England or whatever with her mm-hmm. boyfriend for a year and a half and she was fine. So she, I'm sure she's like, Hey, if it happens again, I'll run away to right. England again and it'll be okay. Um, yeah. And she's, she's built like a stature in the musical community that she, she can take a lot of risks and she can say a lot of shit and she won't really be scrutinized for it. Um, and then of course there's the added layer of her being a white woman who yes. is rich Yes. Um, in, in addition to her being a very well-known musician who doesn't really have to be worried about her career no. a whole lot. No. Um, I mean, this bitch has had, what, nine albums now? Something like that. Nine studio albums, I yeah. think. Um, so many Grammys, so many awards that she's won and just so many different ways that her career has been monumental. Yeah. Like, I think that for me, there's not, I'm not really going to question whether or not she's a witch. For me, Taylor Swift is saying she's a witch. And that is reflective of the fact that she is at a certain, like, point in her career, as well as she has a certain social stature to where she's not concerned, which is super problematic. Because like you said, there have been people who are killed for this. And to my knowledge, there are still people today, primarily people of color, who are murdered for. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. And that's not okay. Um, and I think that like per if you're gonna say and you're gonna profit off of you're gonna sell two albums that have a very witchy aesthetic, market those like you were saying, that tweet, that tweet was a piss off. Um yeah. Yeah. then you need to be monetarily giving back right. to witch communities, primarily because of her like who she is. She needs to be giving back to witch communities of color as far right. as um i don't know if that's a thing that she's doing that's not a thing that i've heard of um i don't know that it necessarily needs to be publicized because i probably wouldn't feel great about that either but i feel that's something that needs to happen yeah well i mean you think about like almost like at the risk of appropriating experiences with this but this kind of just came to my mind of like when you mentioned i hadn't really thought about like giving back to the witch community because it's it's hard to give back to the witch community because there's very little organization right um and that goes into like a whole lot of issues that I don't want to like take up time with like jargon I know I mentioned like Gardnerian and if mm-hmm. any of people who are listening have heard of Gerald Gardner that's great basically founded modern witch founded modern witchcraft um in the, the 50s or so you know and kind of regulated it and mm-hmm. um not regulated but like refined it and like took a bunch of stuff together and made a big mosh modge podge and like made it make sense in a cohesive like belief system um and it's like that's that but like outside of those it's just people doing their thing like outside of that there's a couple there's a couple kind of schools or societies that are organized hierarchies with like the high priest thing but apart from that it's you know eclectic people who are just on their own so but I mean, I've always thought, like, you know, I like, would think like, oh, you know, it'd be great to have Hogwarts, but like, <laughs> there are schools that exist. There are magical actual like universities where you can go, but they're very small, you know? So if you are a witch, like cough up some of your money and help bring together the kind of, for lack of a better term, diaspora of, mm. of the witch community, because right now there's no centralization and there's no, um, you know, it's very hard, but, but at the same time, that would kind of defeat, defeat it. And I think, and this is a segue into folklore also, because witchcraft is folkloric, 
mm-hmm. and it's passed down yeah. primarily by women. Mm-hmm. Um, grandmothers spend time with their daughters or, and their granddaughters and give the sacred knowledge of the earth and the mother and the goddess and all of these things, whether they use those terms or not. I actually have this great book right next to me, which you should read if you haven't. It's called Blood, Bread, and Roses, How Menstruation Created the World. It's an amazing, like, just put on some Sarah McLaughlin and read it. It's going to be, it's great. Um, but this concept that, you know, um, these ideas and this knowledge about sacred herbs and medicinal herbs and ways of doing things is primarily passed down by women and is passed down generationally and through bloodlines. Um, not to say that there's witch blood, my personal view, there's, there's people out there who believe that, that there's like witch blood and I just like way to way to totally just imprint a white hierarchy and racism onto which like I this just doesn't exist but um you know it's it's generally generationally inherited and so that she's that was a problem that I do have with folklore just so in the name of folklore is that like there was a lot there there's not I mean there's stories right I mean, call the album story time. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> there's a lot of stories, but is there folklore here? And what do we mean by folklore? And folklore is also a very real thing and a very sacred thing, um, depending on your tradition. But generally, anybody who's in the... I mean, there's folklore everywhere. I feel like folklore isn't really... Maybe, and maybe this is my ignorance, maybe isn't quite used to describe like African myths but certainly is solidly used to refer to European or South American or North American, you know, folklore. Um, these are the stories of our faiths that have been crushed by Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and are you even appropriating that term too? But right. um, yeah, with that concept of like her marketing, there was something, oh, there was something that you had said. Oh, oh yes, I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give it. So, yeah, I think I did. I did. I was the one who uh, told you this also um, because I was like, yeah, Taylor Swift is racist. And you were like, what? And I was like, oh yeah, I hadn't really heard that. <laughs> Which I mean, to be fair, I'm of the belief that um, white people are inherently racist because True. we benefit from a, the system of yes. white supremacy and racism. Yeah. Uh, so regardless of whether Taylor Swift had, had ever acted out of racism, she would inherently be a racist. Right. Um, How did she actively ag- aggressively perpetuate racism? Right. That is the, the question. And there are lots of examples of that, but I will mm-hmm. give one example because this is actually what I was thinking of when I was talking about like giving back to the witch community, because this is something that I know she knows how to do because she has done this. So um, in the folklore album, when it was released, she had, it was a very fast release. Um, she was saying that like her label didn't know that she was going to release it until like the day before, which is hilarious. Like, I don't know how that shit happens. I really don't understand the music industry. Like yeah. the more I learn about it, I'm like, I don't know what you people do. Right. Um, when I watched Astro World, which is Travis Scott's documentary, mm. they were having him literally hours before the album came, came out. He was still finishing songs. And I was like, oh how? how does that happen? That's and he's just scary. like chilling. 
like eating McDonald's and like recording this album. Oh my gosh. I know. And <laughs> it's like the night that it's going to come out. And I'm like, I know I'm nothing about the music industry. But anyway, so she was, it was a big rush to like put together the album, what it was going to look like, the merch, all of that stuff. And um, very quickly when they released the cover of Folklore, people were like, hey, this is the exact logo from a Black artist. And um, so there was a big conversation about that. And a bunch of people were like adding Taylor Swift and were like, hey, this is from her. And they were like, including pictures of this artist's like well-established art. And they were like, how did this happen? Like, why are you ripping off her logo? And wow. it's very, very similar. And um, so like the name Folklore, you mean? In that font, in that style. Oh um, I think even like the little the that was on the side of it was the same. Like it was, it was. What? I did not hear very, about this at all. Yeah. No, it's very blatant. Um, and which is not <laughs> the first time Taylor Swift has done something like this. She has done all. She has ripped off stuff like that a lot before. There have been a lot of comparisons between like performances and things that she has put out that were like almost exactly the same as Beyonce's, um, which is just not okay. Right. And um the difference here which actually showed a bit of personal growth for taylor swift um from what i have seen of her over the years is that she did what i think any person would suggest that you do and that she contacted the artist directly worked with mm -hmm. the artist to um alter her logo and compensated that artist very well mm -hmm. um for one ripping off her art whether or not it was her I mean realistically it was someone on her staff right but right. regardless that shouldn't that's not okay that shouldn't yeah. happen um and so one compensating for that and then compensating for helping her to adjust it to make the the logo look a bit more um unique but even then I mean you could look it up and it, it still looks very very similar yeah I will definitely look that up um, um and so when I was talking about like compensating for like witches of color mm -hmm. um, is something akin to that, right? Mm -hmm. There are, I mean, I just bought a birthday present for my roommate who's a witch. Um, she wanted a book on tarot. And so I reached out to some of my friends and was like, hey, I know that you primarily support witches of color. Do you have someone who has a book on tarot that you really like? Yeah. And um, they, I actually got recommended this wonderful like tarot journal that's like hardback mm. and gorgeous oh, that's um, awesome. that I believe that was made by um, a witch of color. And I now follow her on Instagram. You should send me that link. I will. But yeah, and so, and so then it was very cool because not only was I getting my roommate this super like awesome thoughtful gift, but I got right. to contribute to um, a wonderful witch who's supporting herself through her craft. Right. Um, and that's something like not all witches buy things to, mm -hmm. to support their crafts, but I mean, a lot do crystals, right. tarot cards, um, you know, like incense or different things that you might yeah. burn. And those are things that you should... I think like what I'm I'm not even a practicing witch but I have crystals I have look I have cedar right here right yeah <laughs> um a big smudge stick you don't like that would take care of some big demons <laughs> like I, I came have... I did not come to play <laughs> that's me <laughs> well I mean I think it's important I mean I think you raise a great 
point about sourcing, which even I'm probably not, I am not the best about sourcing in general. It's an area of my life that I have yet to deconstruct um, and reevaluate and rectify. But crystals, since you mentioned crystals, I don't know if you know, know about this, but there's a big conversation about where do you get your crystals from? Because I feel like we've already had this conversation about um, diamonds and this top concept of blood diamonds. Yeah. Um, and diamond engagement ring. Yeah. Thank you, Leonardo DiCaprio, for raising the the you know <laughs> raising the awareness about that. So now we have all these lab grown diamonds and things. Um, but yeah, crystals by and large, especially. I mean, I remember. I mean, I go to a magic shop. Um, in Selwood where I get my herbs and things called the Raven's Wing Magical Company. Check them out if you're in the Portland area. They're an amazing store. But I have yet personally to verify sourcing on their crystals because they have very good prices on their crystals. Mm. Very good prices. And I I just have not investigated yet whether that is because they are not like, you know, charging out the wazoo and they're maybe just giving the wholesale price or if they are not ethically sourced. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that they are not ethically sourced. I'm saying, I don't know. Um, and I have yet to do my work on that. Um, otherwise a very great store and very great, um, wonderful people who run it. Um, but yeah, this concept of sourcing is really important. And I just think that, I mean, not that Taylor is using any like actual, like witch products or witchy products in her marketing, but if she was, I guess that she probably wouldn't do much sourcing homework on it. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I'm waiting for us to find out who exactly makes the folklore cardigans. <laughs> and also, I think that it's like just talking about, like, we're talking about like different ways to contribute to communities. Mm-hmm. Like, what she did with the that artist, I think, is a good example, but she should right. be doing stuff like that from the get-go. Right, you know? not as people of color, hiring black people, half, hiring queer people. And she, she is selling uh, witch aesthetic, yes. period. Yes, 100%. So she should be, like, hiring witch artists, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, something I, like I that. Like, I feel like that's not a difficult thing to do. I don't, maybe there's a big, like the Venn diagram between like the queer community. Well, I should asterisk this within Portland Mm because I know that we have a very specific thing going on, but like queer community and witch community is almost a circle here. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Um, And the reason why I'm especially just mad i'm just mad at taylor for this forevermore um i am too i'm mad at her forevermore especially because evermore woke me up to her long history of appropriating witch Mm -hmm. and they're they're the concept of witches but she not only does she do her really annoying tweets that are just basic they're (laughs) so basic white girl even yeah. though they're trying to be edgy and like unique, it plays off as like a silly, I mean, I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but like a silly blonde teenager who doesn't know what she's talking about. And it's yeah. really hurtful. And like very and tone deaf, which to I very tone deaf. That's a lot. And not only that, it just, it like hit 
I remember just tossing my phone to my nightstand and rolling over in bed to go to sleep pissed when I listened to the witch remixes of Willow. Oh my God. Because I was like, I was so excited. <sighs> and this is what sealed the deal. I mean, before, before the witch remixes, I was annoyed at her tweets, but I'm like, whatever. Like, she's just, you know, dumb. Okay. It's Taylor Swift. So it's like Taylor Swift. I mean, I'm not going to expect, you know, amazing yeah. wokeness from her. But, you know, <laughs> I was just annoyed. But whatever. And so then when I saw the witch remixes, I was really excited. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what's, I'm like, is there going to be, like, secret, like, spells hidden in these? Or so is, are the lyrics, I expected the lyrics to be different. I expected the sound to be different. I expected something real and what i got were four tracks that sounded almost indistinguishable from the original no and i saw that as just this i'm i know i'm getting into my major rant mode but just this very for lack of a better term pathetic clickbait it's clickbait oh 100 should generate more listens Okay, we have to talk about Willow for a second. I have yeah. big feelings about Willow. So yeah. the Evermore album in general was a bit of a letdown for me. And yeah, by a bit, I mean a lot. Folklore was incredible. Folklore is amazing. Evermore then- is the sad, <laughs> forgotten cousin <laughs> who has to eat in the corner at Thanksgiving. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. And so... um. I listened to it, which I don't know what I'm going to do when on April 9th, this episode is coming out the week that she's dropping uh, the the fearless Taylor Swift version, by the way. Yeah. Uh, no, like this episode, this podcast episode yeah. is coming out that week on accident. Yeah. Uh, that's just how it's going to time. But I'm like very excited because it's like, I was like, Ooh, it's going to work out. Yeah. But I don't know what I'm going to do when that comes out because like, I'm I'm kind of gonna lose my mind. I'm so excited for like new songs that were written back yeah. then. But like I'm I there's so much around it. There's like a mystery. But yeah. Anyway, um, whenever more dropped, I do this thing where like I text people and I'm like, it's happening. Do you want right. to live? I mean, I remember you and I were live yeah. texting, listening to it. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. I had like I was with my sister. Um, I, I was staying with her that week, and it, she she announced it like the day before. So I was like, hey, Aaron, tonight we're listening to Evermore. I'm gonna go get wine. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You're like, I have to go get wine, and then I'll be back. Oh no! So that was even better. So I brought, I got one bottle of wine. And then after I had had like half of the bottle of wine and she had had the other half, I was like, I need more wine to get through this album. And so I went to the store again and I was so drunk that I forgot my mask in the apartment. So I had to like walk back halfway to grab my mask. It was a, it was a shit show. Anyway. At least you were um, walking. I thought you were driving. to the. Oh God, no. I was like, no, no, no. I don't drive. First of all, I don't drive. Um, I definitely don't drive drunk. Yeah. Right. Okay. um <laughs> just checking on you friend <laughs> oh no yeah I mean like honestly like the fact that I forgot my mask that was the first time ever that I had forgotten my face mask and I was like I was like maybe I'm too drunk to be walking to the store if I forgot my mask <laughs> I mean it was like around the block so it was fine right. but um anyway so I was like talking to her and I was like live texting four people and it was like this wonderful mess of an experience mm-hmm. and um willow though i 
hate Willow. I hate Willow with a fiery, burny fucking passion. However, I got that bitch stuck in my head. And yeah, it's I, the most catchy song on the album. One of the articles that we read, uh, I think it was the Mary Sue one, was, <laughs> there was a line in it that was like, the way Willow has been stuck in my head is witchcraft. And I was like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's how I feel. Um, because like when I think about Willow, I mm-hmm. hate it. Um, first of all, lyrically, it's not that interesting. The sound is beautiful. I love yeah, the sound of Willow. Mm-hmm. It really does sound like someone's casting a spell. I yeah. feel like I feel like mm-hmm. that's a great um, like representation of it. But le- I love lyrics. Um, I am a lyric person. I love stories. I think that's part of why I love folklore so much because mm-hmm. lyrically it was so strong. It yeah. showed up. It brought the party. And then Evermore was like, mm, Evermore was nowhere near the party. Mm-mm. Evermore is that friend that's like across town is like, I'm here. And they right. have a long address to their GPS. That's Evermore. right. <laughs> And um, down in the industrial center <laughs> of Portland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so ever, Willow pisses me the fuck off primarily because it's like, not only is it lyrically boring, but then it's super aggressively heterosexual. And the, the like main part of the song, the, I guess the chorus, but like that she says over and over, honestly, it feels like it's more than the chorus because she says this throughout the whole fucking thing. She that's says, that's, that's my man, wreck my plans. Bitch, don't let anybody wreck your plans, yeah. let alone a man. I cannot, yeah. I cannot. I would fight a bitch for yeah. wrecking my plans. Fuck no. I also recognize that I am like a planner in my heart and core. So like mm-hmm. I get, I am honestly upset about that line because the idea that you're going to let someone write your plans and that's supposed to be a sign of love is to me feels super toxic i'm like no bitch Mm -hmm. your plans are sacred you don't let anyone touch those Mm -hmm. no taylor no stop letting men write the newspaper smack around the nose (laughs) no (laughs) like i thought we were past this taylor i thought we were past you letting men rule your life but no that's your man he's gonna wreck your plans that is right. the most bullshit thing i've heard yeah this no so today to like prepare because obviously willow is the most witchy song and i will definitely use the term witchy song <laughs> it is a witchy song and i'll give it that i will say not only is willow catchy mm-hmm. so i have only listened all the way through evermore the first time I was so let down by the album overall. I mean, we had the, that funny exchange about what what was the song where we were like, who is this bitch? And then it was oh like, my God, that grandma. Was terrible. <laughs> terrible people. <laughs> we were, I remember, I forget what it was that I had said, but like, I better <laughs> find out some, you know, background story of her going down on this one. And then there was her grandma or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, Frank and I are actually the worst. We can't get our minds out of the gutter long enough to realize that that song is about her grandmother. That's Marjorie, right? Probably, yeah. Oh, yeah, because like, <laughs> I, I remember texting like, who the fuck is Marjorie? But <laughs> Willow is the only song from Evermore that I can actually remember how it goes. Really? My favorite song from Evermore. Oh, I guess I can remember Champagne Problems. Yes. I yeah. you knew you knew. Yeah. I love Champagne Problems. I also really love Ivy. Um I do too. Yeah. 
Ivy's really beautiful. Um, Ivy is, I think, the best song on the album, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, Champagne Problems is, and in the Gaylor episode, I was having such a hard time figuring out how to explain why that song is gay. Mm -hmm. And the best, oh, it's so gay. It's so gay. And so partially gay. because what it sounds like story-wise is that she and this girl were going to come out to their families mm -hmm. and she couldn't do it but right. the other girl could and her family reacted badly and the sister splashed out on the bottle and now right. they say you have champagne problems right I am I the only one like the entire time when I was listening oh. to it I was just picturing happiest season yes yes <laughs> I felt like I somebody needs to make like a fan montage of scenes from Happiest Season to that song. Maybe you need to do that. I don't. I'm I think I do need to do that. Do that. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a good song. I like that song. And I guess yeah, when we I, you know yeah, undermine what I had said where Willow's the only song I remember how it goes. I do remember how Willow uh, how Champagne Problems goes. Mm -hmm. I don't remember how Ivy goes, but I know I do like Ivy. But see, that's the thing. That's why it's like there are songs on it that are oh yeah that's a good song right and oh that's a good message or oh yeah but, but it's not enough to bring me back oh yeah whereas I literally lull myself to sleep to folklore every single night I put it on my wow. hour-long sleep timer and I fall asleep to do <laughs> like every night <laughs> um, you'll want to know how I ended up in her top one percent of fans on Dang. my spot of yay <laughs> Actually, I'm in her top 0.1%. I have a oh. serious problem. You are. You beat me. I'm only in the top 1%. I don't You're know. You're in the top 0.1%. Isn't that insane? That is pretty insane. You, do I, have, you have some champagne problems. There. I have some serious champagne problems. And it's great, too, because I consider myself to be fairly critical of Taylor Swift. Like, everybody knows right. I, I love her music and stuff. But, like... Right. In her music and in herself and in the way that she presents herself, I there she does a lot of problematic things, and I think that it's yeah. really important to be critical of that and to be and aware of that. And that I'm drawn to her music, mm -hmm. like that's something I have to reflect on. Why the fuck do I like Taylor Swift so much? Right, and I think that that's what also separates us from the Swifties and makes us just slightly better than them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that we we it's we're like we're like the people like oh yeah like I love God but I also criticize church twenty four seven but I love church and love going <laughs> and love believing in God but I'm gonna criticize the church all the time. Oh, the last thing I guess I want to say about um Willow. Yes, tell me. Setting aside the idiotic witch remixes um that literally barely changed. I I literally had to re-listen to them because I'm like what exactly changed and uh -huh. it was negligible like the guitar tone was slightly different or something ridiculous like that but then there's the uh, the actual like problematic like nuclear bomb of that music video which is the coven scene yes um yeah let's talk about that please talk about that though yeah, yeah the coven scene so here's my problem with the coven scene first of all the transition between the ukulele and the glass box scene the rabbit hole that she opens up after she realizes she's trapped in the glass box to then going to a coven meeting in the middle of the woods is the most breakneck transition I've seen in a while of something. It makes it story-wise, folklore-wise, it makes no sense. Right. It went from one story to another story and the only thing that connected it literally was the now visible string um 
of the golden thread that she's following. Um, she is walking out through the woods with all these other people, trying her best to look like a bad bitch um, in her cloak, which, yeah, it's a vibe. We've all been there. Um, <laughs> but she goes there. There's a metaphysically ambiguous event going on of like this, these golden orbs um, that have a weird like a lace texture when you actually pause the video and like look at them like they're like basically like I'm pretty sure they literally made that by wrapping like a glass ball with a doily <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that's how they made it which is cottage quarry I guess but um, you know there's these weird light balls floating around and they're all you know supposedly controlling them with their hands and they're kind of doing the dance the seancey thing which my one problem with that in particular felt like an appropriation and a mal I never know how to pronounce it malapropism okay kind of like or, or you know just like the appropriation in the sense of like I'm going to do this thing and then like doing it in the wrong context right. or like yeah. screwing it up of like druid culture in particular like if you've seen like outlander you know that that's like kind of like a, it's a similar like ritual to how the with the druids um act yes. the standing stones and that's like a very like actual thing and that's honestly like druid druidism i guess if that's the term druidism um druid culture is the foundation of the modern wicca and witchcraft movement i mean uh, Margaret May, you know, claims that she came across a coven of essentially druids out in a grove of woods and on an English estate in the 30s, and they gave her this knowledge about the secret religion of the Celts, mm -hmm. and that's what witchcraft is, you know. And so you have that, and you have like the light motif, but it was like different. It's just like this randomly like coming out of the snow from somewhere, right. doing nothing. It it's just another Hollywood. Thing that honestly brings criticism on the community because it doesn't actually that i mean as far as we know it produced no result yeah. other than exercising power some type of spiritual power which is the criticism from the christian culture that witches do what they do because they want power instead right. of surrendering to god or whatever and so they just want power for its own sake so i saw it harmful in that way and then there's when she notices the string on the ground and turns away and walks down the path, leaves her man, you know, who she didn't know was there behind that very elegant but otherwise odd mask that he's wearing. Mm -hmm. um, and she just totally walks away. So if we're led to assume that she's part of this coven mm -hmm. and they're doing this ritual, first of all, I mean, I'm not a Gardnerian, but Gardnerian is all about, as I understand it, group work. It's like group ritual. Most of those societies are kind of like, it's a ritual of the coven. And every member has a very specific role that if they mess their role up, it messes the whole thing up. Mm -hmm. So like, it's not considering that. It's the concept of like, oh, you can just walk away from this. I mean... It would be a completely different story if she was like a homely little Midwestern Christian girl who's like walking away from her church in search of a man. Like that'd be a dress. That'd actually be a better story than what we got with Willow. <laughs> um, like, you know. Yeah. But it's like, it just felt to me, it's like, 
I'm going to go out into the woods and I'm going to experiment with this and it's going to be fun and I'm going to be witchy and I'm going to get like the, this almost like, it's almost like they, women who are, I mean, I hate to say women, but it's predominantly women who do this because I mean, the predominance of the witch community is are women or some other type of non-masculine um, gendered person. For these people who are just coding the surface, like on TikTok or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's almost like they're trying to get their like bad bitch out of their system if that makes sense like they have frustrations at society or frustrations or like they like get out of a like relationship and they almost it's like they almost want to have this like man-eater vibe Mm. for like a brief second but they don't actually want to devote their life to it I mean it's one thing if you experiment and explore and then find out "Eh, this isn't for me Mm -hmm. but if you go all hardcore on your Instagram account and then mysteriously just stop posting about it and go back to being normative society, it's just really sends a lot of mixed signals. And so for her to be kind of, I felt like it was symbolic of her just walking away. Yeah. And then the fact that she's walking to, as you said, like this super heteronormative future. I mean, she, (laughs) the bitch crawled into a piano and, you know, (laughs) <laughs> was brought to another realm of the universe right. we're led to assume or back in time or whatever she's jumping into slightly poorly cgi'd pools you know under the moonlight right. and she's you know going she's going it's almost like she's going through different lives like maybe she's going through past lives is maybe the story of it mm-hmm. and maybe that's her and i mean i didn't think about that until just now maybe she's trying to explore this concept of like past lives like right which is another thing I don't know if you've heard or seen the memes of this, of the phrase again, you know, witches who are listening are probably going to want to, you know, burn me for it. But there's this meme or the, like these shirts where it's like, we're the granddaughters of the witches you couldn't burn. Right. Yeah. And I was just talking to another dear um, witch friend of mine about it and how I dislike those, um, that, that phrase in the memes and merchandise that is made off of it because first of all your granddaughter your grandmothers were born in like the 50s so they probably were you know the people who were canceling pokemon when they were 40 you know 40 and 50 you know so they're not like um a really conservative christian friend of mine posted a meme like that it's like we're the granddaughters of the witches you can burn those girls as grandma like mickey mouse is the devil (laughs) (laughs) so first of all there's like a inaccuracy of timeline with that right but then also it's like okay like I feel like it's perpetuating the idea of like witch blood right like most of the witches who were real witches were probably lesbian most of them were widowed or single never married Mm -hmm. and most of them died so how can you be the granddaughters of the witches who weren't burned because most of them were burned and most of the ones who didn't burn were probably lesbians or sapphic in some way or not not married so you know it's just this I just feel like it's this maybe she's trying to say like oh I was a witch in a past life or right. you know and I was also a weird loot player in a 1920s carnival and you know I also think that there's something to be said for like maybe a little bit less deep symbolism of like not necessarily past lives but like um finding yourselves in different ways like for me the the part with like the ukulele or whatever and the glass was very 
representative of like her earlier like mm-hmm. country days yeah. and like being in a glass box and being mm-hmm. in a fishbowl um that sort of a thing and then feeling very stuck and not being yeah. able to reach her love and not being able to reach where she wanted to be because she was stuck in this like little box of where she was supposed to be and then escaping to something freer mm-hmm. you know for that's a good point the coven um I think that though your criticisms of like that portrayal is excellent Mm -hmm. I have nothing to add because that's and it's I think it's really hard to um accurately portray something like witchcraft in visual media I'll say Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you could do it very easily in books actually there's a book coming out in June one last stop by Casey McQuestion Mm -hmm. that I think does a very fun job of like showing like a witch who's just like it's like yeah my roommate's a right a witch Hmm. just they're they're just over there chilling it's a wonderful book um I got an advanced reader's copy of it and you should absolutely read it when it comes out it's wonderful um but yeah and that's and that's something just that with visual representations of things it's like with movies music videos tv it's very hard I feel the same way when they portray uh bipolar disorder because Mm. it's hard to portray it in the the way that it is actually because that's not sexy like that doesn't that's not provocative right Right. if you just have like some roommates drinking ciders and like doing tarot readings Mm -hmm. in a movie that's not interesting right (laughs) right and I think that that's what I think that that I mean I it's and that's why I just I mean I I watch witch talk I watch the videos a lot of them some of them I pass by because they're dumb but a lot of them are, and don't get me wrong, there's some amazing content on TikTok. TikTok is a revolution. And I think it's amazing. Um, and I think that there's a lot of amazing content that has helped me grow in my practice with that. But I think that because it relies on this grandiose representation, whether it's a movie, whether it's a show, mm-hmm. whatever, it builds up these expectations for people and then they get into it. And because they're not, I mean, you have to be motivated. Mm-hmm. You have to be motivated to keep up the practice. I mean, I went like just recently, I like realized oh, it's been like two months since I've done a reading. I need to, mm-hmm. you know, I've let it slip. I, you know, I've let my things slip. Um, it happens and it happens to everybody. And so if you expect that everything is going to be like the chilling adventures of Sabrina or even if you think it's going to be like, you know, I don't know what else, you know, practical magic or, or, you know, whatever, that if you expect that, you're going to be let down. And if you're let down, you're either going to come away thinking this is all a bunch of bullshit, or I didn't do it right. So it's like, you're either going to be disenfranchised, or you're going to perpetuate self-shame because you weren't good enough to be like some of these influencers who have the aesthetic down and all that. Or you're going to be disenfranchised because yeah, you paid into the cons that are genuinely out there that are just taking advantage of people Mm -hmm. um, in the, in the community. Like you mentioned something about like, Oh, close to the beginning about just people who, Oh, like the white women who are commodifying witchcraft. And yeah, like I don't, I'm really hesitant to buy books about um, witchcraft that are, that are recently published. I'm really hesitant 
I'm really hesitant to read blogs. I'm, and I like, you'll find these pages just like, oh, join our, join our coven for, you know, $25 a month. And it's like, you'll yeah. get access to our spells and all these things. And it's like, mm, spells are supposed to be done, made, created by either the person who's casting it or somebody who has a close relationship. Like your, this was my grandmother's, you know, whatever kind of thing. So to buy into a club and then Oh, I'm, I can't afford to pay my subscription. So now I'm out of like, what is that? What kinds of messages that that goes against the concept of a coven, which is there for you always, mm-hmm. you know, through thick and thin. And so it's just really problematic when you infuse capitalism into it, but yeah, the representation of it. And I get that, you know, if you're trying to convey ideas of witchcraft or, or witchiness or whatever, that yeah you're gonna have to rely upon to a certain extent some tropic representations and things everybody loves the idea of going out with the group finding a group of people uh in the woods and joining in but a great representation of what she could have done is a movie which if you haven't watched it you should i don't know if you like horror or thrillers but the witch the movie the witch that came out a few years ago um is an people like critics hated it critics said like oh it's so bad I think it's an amazingly done film. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I mean, it does play into the concept that witches are of the, you know, servants of Satan and they're trying to corrupt people. So there's that problem, which is, pro- it's a it's a certain view, but it's from the Puritan viewpoint. But, you know, that movie, I don't want to spoil it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. But I mean, also it came out in like 2014. So if you haven't seen it, you should should know um (laughs) by now but yeah that movie ends with that concept of walking out into the woods and finding a coven Mm -hmm. the difference between that and willow is that in the movie the person who goes out and finds the coven stays (laughs) they don't walk away in fact they they, like all levitate naked out into the stars (laughs) in a slightly trippy I think something also like about the idea of her walking away from the coven and going to the man, which in and of itself is like, I mean, she's wrecking her plans for him. She's leaving her, right. her coven for him. This is, this does not seem like a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Also, I found when I pulled up the Willow music video at first, I thought I found the wrong thing because it looked so much like the beginning of Cardigan that I thought that I was, oh. that I was watching Cardigan. So I like left the bubble. I had also had a lot of wine, but like... <laughs> we won't talk about that. No, we'll talk no. about her re- recycling of aesthetics. Well, I thought it was really interesting because she uses a very similar, like it, a mirrored mm-hmm. um, aesthetic but also like storyline of that she used in cardigan right Mm -hmm. and they end up in that little cottage that they were at at the beginning Mm -hmm. and end of cardigan um cardigan is part of the trilogy right um so the trilogy of of betty cardigan and um august Mm -hmm. uh cardigan is the the love interest of um james from betty uh, oh, gotcha. Cardigan is from Betty's perspective. Um, I don't know if you knew this. I did not really know this. Oh, it blew my mind when I first. That's really interesting. So, I knew that there were songs that were connected, and I could tell some similarities of like, oh, this is, you know, but mostly like the "Meet Me Behind the Mall" thing. <laughs> like, right. like that was like the most glaring one of that. Yeah, album. and like the cobblestones because yeah. they talk, uh, Cardigan starts out with cobblestones, and then James in in the song Betty talks about 
the August girl walking up on broken cobblestones. It's really, oh, yeah. it's really incredible. You should listen to it after the, I do need to go back and really, I, I didn't do a ton of research into the Easter eggs yeah of it um i yeah i just happened upon that that information but it makes so much sense it, it wasn't something that i saw myself either but i i was kind of like i noticed things that were similar in each of them and i was like oh this is interesting i thought she was just telling like this a story about the same person i also really struggle with like the idea of taylor swift like writing songs from another person's perspective mm-hmm. yeah um so that's whatever um yeah. Which also, I am not convinced that James is a boy. I I know that she has said that. In my world, he yeah. James is a girl. Yeah, yeah. Makes the story ten times more interesting because then yeah. there's like this love triangle with three women, and it's like, what? You don't it's- often have that. It's usually always, which world do I want to live in, the sapphic or the hetero world? You know. And there are. It's really interesting because Cardigan has a lot of things in it that um are very prominent parts of uh, Carly Kloss and Taylor Swift mm. theories, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there was a whole thing uh, when Cornelia Street came out about the, like people were using pictures because it says like uh, your, your jacket around my mm. um, whatever back or yeah. whatever. Shoulders or something like that. So, yeah. And people were like, had pictures of like Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss walking like really close to each other mm-hmm. outside of her apartment with her wearing Carly Kloss's cardigan. Oh. Cardigan. Mm-hmm. And then we have the song Cardigan come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what the fuck? Right. Um, because everyone was like, oh, she's wearing Carly Kloss's jacket. And I'm like, well, honey, that's a cardigan. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, Let's get our... Uh... <laughs> terminology correct um and it's really interesting because betty is what short for elizabeth which is carly claus's original name yep did you not know that either i i i I will confess for the audience i am a gayer amateur (laughs) genesee is the Oh, now we, this is great. Now we don't actually have to say Sherlock Holmes. Now we can say she's the, is it Amelia or Enola? Oh yeah, Enola. Enola Holmes. Genesis <laughs> the Enola Holmes of, of Gaylor Theory. And I am the, like, I don't even know. I'm not even Watson. I'm <laughs> just like the maid. <laughs> I'm like the maid making tea overhearing some little snippets. <laughs> but just enjoying, enjoying the ride. Um, yeah, and I think... And then yeah, Willow Willow just concludes with Willow just concludes with her crawling back out of the piano and finding, oh, it was here all along. Right. I, I have a hard time getting the moral of the song. Like yeah. was he, was it the whole, you know, the real the real journey was the friends we made along the way? Or like <laughs> is it like what is it? What are you getting at? Were you just hallucinating? Were you just trying to experiment with grasses always greener? And so you turn to witchcraft as that? And be fun and crazy for a little while. Also, if you listen to Willow, like if you really listen to it, she doesn't sound happy. It like if you listen to that without watching the music video and then got to the music video and she ends up with the guy, you're like, how did we get there from this song? Because in the song, it does not sound like she should end up with anybody. (laughs) 
she needs to spend some long alone time reading, journaling, making bread, drinking some tea in this nice little cottage that she has. Using this... her vibrator. She yeah. Needs to, you know. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want to assume that she doesn't masturbate, but like, I really feel like she could benefit from 100% diving into that some more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> diving in like the way she did in Willow. <laughs> Didn't I, I honestly had to like keep re- rewinding just that little dive scene because it's a really comical just the way because I don't think she actually did it I think it's CGI it right. looks super CGI and it's just like I just picture like one like boop like a little boop <laughs> and I think that we just found like the real meaning behind Willow is like Taylor Swift like needing to masturbate and like <laughs> you heard it here first folks <laughs> a disaster so um we've been talking forever i don't even know how long this episode is at this point i think we've been talking like for an hour and a half but we haven't even really talked about cottage court yet. we haven't really talked about cottage court we need to do that now here's the thing about it so we we spend a fair amount of time i feel like talking about the fact that i'm cottage core, which i love and um this here's part of the thing is that i knew that folklore was cottage core aesthetic right mm-hmm. i knew that um, and I don't really feel like I have a cottagecore aesthetic, although I, my wall is, and apparently I just randomly have things in my closet that are cottagecore. So <laughs> I'm learning all sorts of new things about myself, but um, obviously folklore and Evermore were very heightened aesthetics of cottagecore partially because they're part of a brand that she is facilitating and she is right. creating this new era. And so uh, and er- Taylor Swift is excellent at embodying an era. Like when she decides that she's now oh. going to be reputation era Taylor Swift, bleach blonde hair, snakes everywhere, black lipstick. Like <laughs> you're not seeing this bitch in any look that isn't reputation, you know? Mm-mm. And um, folklore was no exception. Yeah. Uh, folklore and Evermore are really interesting because they're sister albums. So if, to my understanding, they're in the same era. Um, yeah. We're writing this. I'm, I'm going to call it like cottagecore era Swift. It, at least that's what the doctrine says. Yeah. Term. That's what the doctrine says is we're in the same era. Yes. I have a hard time believing that we are. I it never feels- left folklore. Huh? I never left folklore. No, no, I'm still in folklore. I kind of almost want, don't want to. Evermore is the fever dream. Real. Huh? Evermore is like a fever dream. It's yeah. just kind of like a bad a bad trip one night in in folklore era every once in a while we like reminisce and listen to a single song reminds us not to do that drug again and then we just continued listening to folklore well and that's the thing i remember thinking and i might have told i might have said this to you i don't remember when we were just because i remember we were listening to evermore at right when it dropped i think i was a little bit ahead of you because i feel like your your spotify was like glitched up Mm-hmm. and it didn't load the album for like 10 minutes yeah so but and then i but i do remember i rewound i went back to the beginning so that we could be together i still have a person um <laughs> and um and i remember i feel like i told you at the end i said if if she had i said thank god she released folklore first yeah because i genuinely feel like if she had released evermore first it probably would have plummeted her career Oh well, I don't know because I, I mean maybe that's my drastic view, but she came I just back think from reputation, huh? So she came back from reputation, so she can come back from every anything. Oh God, I love reputation. Of course you do. You love I reputation. love reputation. Oh, that's my, my 
those are some jams of my Enneagram 8 unhealthy vibes. Like, <laughs> I can't do something bad. <laughs> it's I, amazing. Okay, so speaking of cottagecore, there's a line in the Vox article that really made so much sense to me. I was like, maybe this is why I hate reputation. Maybe this is all part of the same issue. <laughs> um, Where is it? Let me find this. Uh, this episode is brought to you by angsty but otherwise um aesthetically pleasing queer vibes you're listening to npr (laughs) (laughs) so you know i'm really good at making totally natural filler um i just looked over because i noticed i have a very cottage quarry painting that a student of mine did for me that honestly feels like it should be the opening to a taylor swift music video that's like a mysterious door in the woods um I love that. Oh, okay. Okay. I got it. I didn't highlight it. I asterisked it, which is oh. an issue. Okay. Mistake. Okay. So it says Taylor Swift's indie rock quarantine album, Folklore, Cottagecore. Taylor Swift's angry revenge album, Reputation, not Cottagecore. Oh, I know. I love that. <laughs> I love um, like, that line. Maybe the problem is that I am so cottagecore that like Reputation was like venom to me. I was like, nope. Get that shit away from I do want to hijack. I'm going to hijack the conversation. I'm going to be your better half and get us through the cottage course section Please so that we it. can, because I'm sure that this is already like an hour and 45 minutes long. At least. Um, so I'm going to give a little bit of, I'm going to, I'm going to mansplain uh, and you're going to deal with it. And <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> good luck. will be an exercise in your patience for dealing with actual annoyance because I'd never be annoying. Um, so Taylor has become heavily associated with cottagecore. We know this. The reason why I, I like why I remember you, we talked about when I contacted you about this um, topic. Um, I also contacted another one of my, um, the same witch friend that I was talking, I mentioned earlier that I was talking to. It was like a very clickbaity article. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm pretty sure I sent you the very article or maybe just told you about it of this. It was like, it was just this really dumb reductionist article about like cottage core. And it's like, what is cottage core? Um, it's, um, you know, Taylor Swift and the quarantines answer to 2020 right. is what it said. And it was just this absurd, it was a short article. It was barely long. It didn't justify any of its arguments or claims. It was so tone deaf and so appropriating. It didn't even connect queerness to cottagecore. Right. And it, yeah, it talked about like, you know, oh, the reason why cottagecore is a thing is because everybody went into their houses for COVID, was aboard, started baking bread and listened to folklore. And now we're all cottagecore. And right. I read it and it just made me so mad. It was so like, like, what is this garbage? And I sent it to everybody I knew and was like, what is the audacity? And I don't even remember who published it and I don't even want to because I never want to set my eyes on it again. But yeah, it's this idea that Taylor, because she jumped onto the, like, I don't even want to say that she jumped onto the bandwagon because it's true. I think that, I think that she brought Cottage Court to the mainstream the way Madonna brought voguing to the mainstream mm. ballroom culture, you know? like that kind of thing where yeah she did make it make it happen but she didn't invent it at all and honestly it's her invention as far as the aesthetic is not the most remarkable I mean right 
she just walks around in a calico dress in some meadows like I mean that's really all she actually does like that's cottagecore and then she writes her music obviously but like she's not even making bread that's the thing she doesn't I haven't I mean unless I missed it I haven't seen her Instagram full of focaccia bread (laughs) I haven't seen her actually learn how to knit when I see her knitting a cardigan I will buy that I will sell my kidney for that but until she knits a cardigan she ain't cottagecore. I think that's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah, knitting or crocheting. I crochet, so yeah, I'm. I and I, I knit mostly. We need to bring that into the fold. <laughs> but no, that is so true. And um, I think it's really interesting the idea of making something mainstream. Um, because I was even wrestling with that, and I'm normally a person that gets stuck on technicalities like that. Where normally I would be arguing, yes, Taylor Swift brought it into the mainstream. But in this case, I'm not sure that's true because. Mm-hmm. I was looking into the origins of cottagecore and it originated on Tumblr. And I think I, I could trace its origins back to around 2016. So mm-hmm. it's like relatively new in terms of like how we're seeing it now with like the, right. the online community around it. Yeah. Obviously the idea of cottagecore in escapism and like this fetishization of um, country life, fairy tales, stuff like that, that's been around for a long time. Um, but this hashtag country core, or that's a different thing. Hashtag cottage core, um, is something else. And I think that it in itself was already somewhat mainstream because it, it went viral and it, it got a huge online following, which is what made the community and what made it so remarkable. Um, it also is very interesting that cottage court was already making a like resurgence of itself during quarantine because of like what you were talking about with um you know this article was like talking about that um right all of the articles that we read talked about quarantine and um and cottage court and there was actually a really interesting um quote by the uh trend expert at tumblr amanda brennan oh, right. think- the, li- the meme librarian was it <laughs> the meme yeah. librarian i think she was quoted in like every article we read yeah um, she said that every time there's been a spike a spike in covid cases there's mm-hmm. been a spike in cottage core right along with it yep. um i find i found that so fascinating mm-hmm. and um it was the Vox article, I feel like really talked about it in a way that like made it make sense. And mm-hmm. that, you know, um, cottage core in and of itself is like the ideal idealization of um, isolation and of being with yourself and like escaping the male gaze and um, escaping capitalism, um, going back to like very, um, minimalistic, like making your own milk, m- make, like knitting things, yeah. making your own bread, um, supporting yourself. Yeah. And so quarantine forced us into a place where we had to, we, we had to isolate. We didn't have a choice. And Cottagecore allowed an escape from that reality where we were still quarantining, but now we were making bread. and now we were enjoying our quiet alone mornings on our porches with tea and our books and um we were reading all these things and watching all these things and um doing it in isolation making it cute big fluffy blankets and you know all of that stuff right um 
Yeah. And so I find it very interesting that like folklore came out when cottagecore was already very naturally becoming a part of people's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that idea of like, what is the mainstream? What does it mean to bring things into the mainstream is, um, I think is the question here. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I something I had written in my notes of like, so like, yes, she's become associated with cottage core. Um, and that like, I want to say like, this is not inherently a problem. Mm-hmm. Anybody can be cottage core. You're cottage. Right. Core. I'm cottage core. I mean, any she can be cottage core. Right. We're not trying to. It's not the same. It's not quite the same instance of like cultural appropriation it's right. it's something that is technically open to anybody yes um the problem isn't that she's cottage cottagecore it's like her long-standing problem it's her silence on attribution i think is yeah. what i kind of sat with today she's not attributing it mm-hmm. to anything she's just coming on the scene yeah. and i do and like you bring up that cottagecore like you've always known vaguely that it's like a lesbian thing right um, and I think that that's true. Yeah. And she's um, not recognizing that. Um, and, but honestly, I felt like a lot, most of the articles that we had to read also did not recognize it. The knowledge of it being associated with queerness seems very anecdotal only. Yes. It's and that was something fantastic. that only the Vox article got. Yeah. The Vox article was the only one that, and, and they said, like, Cottagecore is inherently queer. Right. And I was yeah. like, yes, finally, someone understands. Right. Um, because it is. And the, the other articles that we were reading were saying that, like, oh, cottagecore lesbian is a subset of cottagecore. I know, that was ridiculous. I don't think that's what it is. I really, truly do think that cottagecore is inherently queer. Right. Um, I think cottagecore lesbians are the main group. And then under that, there are different, you know, different ways to identify with with being cottagecore um and i think that that's something that like everyone i think one of the like main principles that i found in cottagecore was this idea of like going back into ourselves and finding our um kind of more domestic instincts Mm -hmm. right hatched from men detached from the idea that domesticity has to be in the heterosexual relationship with the woman at home um so like coming back into the things that women would do at home you know all of the the characterization things that we've talked about the the knitting the crocheting the bread um and not doing that to benefit a man just doing that to to enjoy it and to benefit ourselves and to have that experience with ourselves um which I think is something that everyone can benefit from um, mm-hmm. trying to stray, stray away from that, that heteronormativity and that dependency on the binary um, yeah. while coming back to these domestic roots. Um, that's, that's really the only way I know how to put it. Yeah. I feel like domesticity is like almost inherently linked with. It is the patriarchal binary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like cottage core is a way to like kind of trying to remove domesticity from that. Yeah. And just be like dom- domesticity for its own sake. Yeah. Domesticity, domesticity in behavior and in vocation, but not in like the terms of the spirit. Yeah. You're not doing this because this is what you do when you're subjugated and suppressed. 
Right. You're doing it when you're empowered. So it's kind of it's kind of reappropriating something that was oppressive to become yeah. more empowering. Um, and that like kind of ties into, I think it's a great point of like most of the articles highlight that cottagecore is an escapist phenomenon mm-hmm. prompted mostly because of COVID as far as it becoming mainstream mm-hmm. and like so many people being into it is that it has, it's being characterized as escapist. And I see the correlation. Obviously there's like actual data of like, like one, one article even said, like, I'm pretty sure that Tumblr lady was saying like, like a hundred and like 16,000% or some, it was yeah. some ridiculous number of like an increase in the use of the hashtag cottage core, which is like, that is a unfathomable amount um, of an increase in the matter of like a day. Yeah. I think it is escapist, but I think it's, so this is kind of what I, I wrote um, this kind of thought down. So I wrote kind of like cottage core is supposed to not just be escapist. It's mindfully escapist. Mm. It's not, Oh, let's all just look at the flowers and try to act like our world isn't falling apart. Um, I feel like it's the same way as like, um, the way that Ryan Murphy's Hollywood is escapist. Um, if you're familiar with that show, the yeah. Hollywood, um, where it's like a reimagining, like you said, it's reimagining a world without the curses of ha- this hatred and intolerance, or at least like a world where that comes to an end. Um, as well as also like, I think it's about like also as, without the curse of like modernized capitalism and right. this late capitalism. Um, and one of the articles, actually, maybe not the articles that we've talked about, but I came across kind of right before the show mm-hmm. of how it like highlights the need for mental health reform in our country. Um, but like, I think it makes what makes it unique is that it is like, to an extent, I think what makes this cottage core form of escapism unique is that it's to an extent possible to attain and sustain. Right. It's actually real and I feel like when articles are saying like it's just escapism it's almost saying like it's a utopian vision that can't happen and it's like well people actually could live like this um and so um I think that mainstream these kind of mainstream mostly heteronormative magazines have analyzed cottagecore like sociologically sociologically um and they equate it with like, I think the Vox article talks about like romanticism yeah. and pastoralism. And then like even way back in the day, um, if you're a, if you're an English lit major like I am, you will have known what the article was talking about when they said Virgil's Arcadian literature of like, yeah, there was like a pastoral movement in ancient Rome of talking about Arcadia, this, you know, the land of the shepherds and yeah. let's all be shepherds lying in the glen, having orgies and, you know, eating grapes and that kind of thing. And those are ter- certainly very real um, things. And those are, those were certainly escapist. Mm-hmm. When I looked at those, I saw them as purely economic. Mm. Um, economic or to an extent, I guess maybe, I don't know, I'd have to look at the, Vir- the instance of Virgil and the ancient Roman to see if maybe that coincided with a plague. That might be a case where maybe it was trying to escape to the countryside because you're escaping the plague but for the most part it seems mostly economically motivated or the cause from like I live in a really big city metroplex and I want to get back to nature which is a part of what we're 
doing here with cottagecore but cottagecore is largely like we said started by queer people mm-hmm. as a sort of radical lifestyle aspiring that like runs on this it's almost like it's um i said it's a radical lifestyle aspiration that kind of has been running on the undercurrent of this mainstream push of like i call that i call it like country light of like joanna Gaines. joanna Gaines. i'm like no hate to joanna like i watch fixer upper but i feel like joanna Gaines is the spearhead of this movement of like the country farmhouse rustic shabby chicy you know just as it comes to like decorating and lifestyle but like that's where what like the normal straight middle class white women are doing they're doing the joanna Gaines thing Whereas cottagecore is like on this is more like a Gen Z young millennial yeah. undercurrent that is much more radical, and I think that country light is capitalistic. Mm-hmm. It's just about, I mean, it's like the hearth and hand right. line at Target, Joanna Gaines's brand. It's just the most absurdly like, I feel like that's right up there with the witch remixes of just like annoying clickbaity capitalism that like actually produced nothing of value <laughs> like I can't believe people buy Joanna Gaines's stuff right. from Target because I think it's I mean no offense if you have that but I don't think I, I just think it's absurd I it's don't a, even I can't even picture that I oh it's just like these dumb like you can get like house shaped salt and pepper shakers yeah. that are honestly a ripoff of Radon and That's not like mine. a couple other things it's just really dumb and <laughs> So I feel like that country light aspect is not actually serious about radical reform of society, just incorporating a few bits of like country living. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, uh, you know, the queer cottage core movement is this philosophy that like, while it's kind of sing song, Mm -hmm. it's the kind of like snow white whistle while you work, but as she's whistling, she's like dismantling capitalism. Um, decentralizing the urban centers and also white hetero-Christian hierarchy and imagining and creating actively a world where like you said that you quoted the article where men are an afterthought where it's not even it's not even resistance it's like this really amazingly inspiring radical position where I and I just kind of thought of like it's the epitome of I forgot that you existed yes it is it's just like completely let's just act like these people don't exist and the dinosaurs will die off and we'll have a new system. And so in that case, every time I've like the amount of articles we've read where it's just like, Mm -hmm. Oh, cottage core is escapist is getting on my nerves because it's not just escapist. Um, It's bound up in this queerness. It's bound up in spirituality. It's so close with witchcraft and other types of non normative Western religion. It's bound up with Marxism. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, non-whiteness, I think Cottagecore is going to have to try to evaluate itself if it wants oh, to yeah. continue, because I think it is centered on lifestyle of, I mean, it's like English. I mean, it's, yes. it's European. Sure. Yeah. And, and I do get the, like some articles talked about how it's like colonialist. Right. And that it's problematic in that regard. And mm-hmm. I think that the style of it, obviously we're emulating colonialism but I think it can be done and approached in a way if people are mindful. Right, and the Vox article was saying specifically that um, cottagecore is a kind of a new trend in a tendency of Americans to um, fetishize the Victorian era because mm-hmm. that was not an era we had ourselves because we're too young. Yes. Um, I thought that was really interesting. That was fascinating. 
I also want to clarify, we talked a lot about, I mean, I think it's very important to talk about and like criticize Taylor Swift in terms of like appropriation and stuff like that. And we mm -hmm. talked about that a lot in terms of the witch stuff. And I'll always talk about that in terms of queer stuff. In terms of cottagecore, that's not really a concern for me because I don't think cottagecore is really something that you can appropriate mm -hmm. unless I think really the only time that that would happen is if men start using it in an appropriate way, which I can't. I mean, like, I'll knock on wood, but, like, I can't see men yeah. do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm tempting fate. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm the great patriarch. I had never considered that being a possibility, and now I'm kind of scared to imagine it. Yeah, no, same. But, what would that uh, be like? I don't know, but... <laughs> but Cottage bros. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, that's awful. Don't say that. Take it back. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't think that that's something that Taylor Swift can appropriate. I think the bigger yeah. question is not necessarily even how she's talking about it. I like the piece that you bring in about like giving credit to right. where it comes from and acknowledging that. That's not really a thing Taylor Swift ever does. So the fact sure. that she's not doing it here isn't like, doesn't stand out to me a lot. Mm -hmm. um, like her music. I mean, she's, a, she's an artist, so her music is inspired by other things, right? And she doesn't mm -hmm. even really talk about that. Right. Um, I am a person who likes to talk about where things originated from and where they came from. So if there was something that was like, hey, Genesee, you didn't acknowledge that this comes from like this sacred community, what the fuck, then that would be on me to like go back and be like, oh shit, my bad. Um, Taylor Swift never really, she doesn't seem very concerned with the origins of things, um, mm -hmm. which that might be something to critique. Ironic and, since she's well, obsessed with folklore. Right? <laughs> very odd and she did talk about like where like the idea of folklore but she didn't even talk about where that comes from it doesn't seem like that's where her mind how her mind works which is i mean there's something there for sure um i think that it's very she, white it's very yes. oblivious the white girl yeah um she, i think she definitely could do more with like evaluating where things come from i think that's super important and she should mm -hmm. do that um, but I don't think that there's anything like heinous in her ignoring where cottagecore comes from, especially no. because like you're saying, it is very European. It is very yeah. white American. Yeah. Uh, kind of hard to appropriate that shit. It's true. <laughs> um, but I think there's a bigger conversation about how the media is glorifying Taylor Swift for mm -hmm. being cottagecore. It's like, bitch, we're all cottagecore. Right. The queers have been out here being cottagecore. Right leave us alone i think that i think that's what needs to happen and it it, no, it won't happen i mean she won't even fox did it huh? I mean, fox did it you know yeah. article oh right yeah i mean i it'll never happen i guess what i mean of like for taylor to acknowledge but i feel oh, like yeah. yeah she should she should acknowledge like hey you know i didn't invent this like there's a lot of amazing people out even if she's just like there's a lot of amazing people out there that inspire me in there efforts for a simple life or something and right. I love it and I hope you know we all can keep doing that even if it would take one tweet that's the problem it's kind of like that <laughs> it's kind of like that Instagram account that's like Jeff Bezos has decided not to end world hunger and they post that like every single day like yeah another day has passed where Jeff Bezos has decided to not end world hunger yeah um and you know we need to start a new <laughs> Instagram account Today, Taylor Swift decided not to acknowledge queer people in inventing cottagecore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would be a new level of petty that I aspire to. Um, and I think that I think that the one problematicness, mm -hmm. problematicality, maybe I just coined a new 
problematicality <laughs> um, of the situation. If we do follow the mainstream assumptions about cottagecore that it is escapism, mm-hmm. here is my question. Okay. What does Taylor have to escape from? That's a great point. That's- what does she have? If, if this is a COVID-centered um, trend, Mm-hmm. which I think it certainly has become. I think at this point we can't, we can't, we're never going to have a reality at this point where cottage court isn't associated with right. the rise of COVID. So if we just assume that, what does Taylor have to escape from? And I think that goes back to that really important criticism of celebrities in general early on in COVID when they were, you know, like, like Ellen, when she was like, she had that like live stream breakdown about how hard COVID has been and she's like inside her giant mansion with like she still has her like staff who are like doing everything for her she's with Portia and you know all that stuff like what does Ellen have to have a breakdown about I mean that's not to say that everybody doesn't have their pain everybody has their pain and one person's pain isn't more valuable than another person's pain but there's a simple fact that there are people who are dying i think that's super important to recognize uh yes the rich people rich celebrities do not have the same things to escape in the in the context of covid as yeah. the rest of us. I, mean, I mean they get co they were getting covid tests when yeah. people couldn't because they needed to be able to film their shows and things and all yeah. that stuff like that that's just you know, so I like the criticism of like, no, we're not in the same boat. You're on I, a yacht and I'm on a inflatable yeah. raft with a porcupine. And that's like... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a great analogy too. I think that's really great. I think that something interesting in terms of like talking about Taylor Swift is that um, I definitely think we can trace her cottage school origins to pre-COVID, pre-folklore. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw in Miss Americana when she was writing Reputation, she literally escaped to a cottage. Mm-hmm. Um, either in Virginia or England. You said earlier you said England. Something like that. Yeah. I feel like it was, I'm assuming England because her boyfriend is from England, yeah. uh, but I'm not sure. I, I kind of honestly think it was in the United States. I think it was too. I mean, she has houses every, every like, sure, she has some these articles that we were reading. They were like, Taylor Swift lives in Tennessee. Taylor Swift lives in LA. Taylor Swift lives in Virginia. I'm like, okay, let's, Taylor Swift yeah. has a house. Right. in each of the 50 states which i don't think she does but she has property all over the place i'm right. pretty sure they do have a house in england probably. um it's a, it's a mess i can't follow that um but so i think that and that and that is very interesting because when asking the question what does taylor swift have to escape from then she was dealing with some very serious mental health issues that's true um, eating disorder i mean everyone was like like the internet was absolutely like going against her and yeah. like she has a whole like Kanye West Kim yeah. Kardashian thing that spiraled that there was a lot going on there for her her mom had cancer uh so I think that True. there there are things that she has that she wants to escape from like anyone does mm-hmm. um the the context of COVID I think is a very different thing and I'm really glad that you brought up that um another thing oh sorry um Another thing that was what you brought up the cottage. That was something I really wanted to hit on. You you mentioned that about her cottage and her escape and her like, you know, mysterious disappearance and all that. Right. And 
I think that when so when we so when we're reading these articles that do talk about how the fetishization of the rural countryside and the um, pastoral um, aesthetic and experience, and one of the articles, maybe it was the Vox article or maybe it was the UNNPR article, talked about Marie Antoinette constructing her Hamlet mm-hmm. on the grounds of Versailles. That's like a mimic of a peasant village. There, she could escape the stresses of court life she still had all of her servants who essentially had to dress in peasant drag and still like serve her and I think it's this concept of in in the articles have raised the point of that this is overall inaccessible and I think it is I think I think while I said like it's attainable Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of people especially in Oregon Mm -hmm. it is becoming more and more unattainable to actually live the full lifestyle of having a cottage and right. having a farm and having goats. I mean, you can't have a rooster in the city limits of Portland. You can't have a goat, you know, unless you have a special permit. You can't <laughs> do all these things. And if you want to live out in the country, well, the country has been gentrified by rich white people who want their yeah. summer house. I mean, Estacada, where I live, isn't a great example of that. The people who live here a lot of them live in these rundown mobile homes. I mean, right around me. I mean, I live in a quite a fairly nice house compared to the houses around me um, that are rundown mobile homes. But then you have these massive, you know, street of dreams style houses. Mm-hmm. So it's this really weird stratification. And because those big houses are there, it makes even the crummy properties really expensive. So mm-hmm. it is to an extent unattainable to actually have the full lifestyle unless you move to... Texas, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of being a cottage core queer person. Um, <laughs> right. And so you have that state of existence, which is a valid thing. And so I see the criticism of cottage core as really being an only viable for rich white women and Taylor Swift, honestly, with her, the fact that she does have all these properties and she has to escape that to yet another property and it's like a whimsical cottage out in the forest and the fact that when push comes to shove and shit gets real she'll always be able to go yeah and hide from i hate to say hide from her problems but hide you know and and escape and practice the escapism and she'll get to and clearly i mean that process the ability to to do that and the freedom to do that is what gave us folklore. Right. I mean, that process that I'm sure all those videos were filmed around where her cottage was that she stayed in. It looked like it kind of a similar landscape to some clips that I saw in Miss Americana. There were a few clips of her like walking on a live stream. I actually think that the, um, the, they were sets in the music videos. I don't even know if they were actually out in the world, to be honest. I don't think well I oh I I actually you know I haven't actually watched music videos for folk oh. okay oh uh, yeah oh the cardigan one I honestly I don't think I have I'm I guess what I'm referring to you know how on Spotify if you go into the music oh design, yes it plays those little clips of her like bending yes. over to look into the camera I think those all right. felt like they were recorded at the place where she stayed I think you're right yeah those for sure unless she found some other like several um deciduous forest biomes to film her 
film her little snippets in. Yeah, I haven't seen uh, the music videos actually now that I think about, except for Epiphany, which I thought of briefly the as the most. for Epiphany? There's at least a short snippet of her like in the ocean floating on a piano, which I could I mean, that's from yeah. Cardigan. That's Cardigan? That's Cardigan. Because Facebook uses that clip to advertise Epiphany. So they're well, that's 110% from Cardigan. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, well, Cardigan, <laughs> the Cardigan music video. Yeah, I know for sure they didn't actually like drop a grand piano into the action. <laughs> now climb up on top of it and let's get this in one take. <laughs> Honestly, that's chaos. what I want. That's the chaos. Yeah, that's what we demand. <laughs> If you're going to be this privileged, Taylor, you got to <laughs> the ocean. Um, I couldn't help but see the motif similarity between that and um, Willow. Yeah. Of in, in one instance, she is clinging to the piano. Right. And I kind of saw that as like a clinging to her music and her work. Mm. And then whereas Evermore, she's like whimsically exploring inside yeah. her music. Yeah. That's great. But that was just a little tangent. Um, so some other things. So yeah, so this is gonna is... be your closing thought because I have to go to bed. Oh I'm sorry. Oh. Um, okay, let me try to think about hmm. Closing thought. So like just like my closing like <laughs> Jerry's final word on Jerry Springer, like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you have a point that you really wanted to make that you haven't made yet or whatever. Mm, I think I think that honestly I just I love cottagecore mm -hmm. even though I don't live and breathe cottagecore because I feel like I grew up with it. Right. Um, cottagecore is important um, and I think it's really timely and I think it needs to continue and I hope that cottage core as a collective energy and the people who are driving it mm -hmm. start to deconstruct some of the colonial vibes and things not because i mean like i said at the beginning my personal aesthetic is very that colonial like salem thing because it associates with my personal like repression that i've experienced in life it's just where i'm at so i love it but I think that it's important. I, I use this phrase a lot, make yourself blameless from like the Bible, I think, but make yourself blameless in the eyes of men. Mm -hmm. Basically, I think if Cottagecore is going to continue as a viable social criticism and a driving force for the reinvention of our society post everything, post the last presidential administration and mm -hmm. all of that, that it needs it owes it to the world and it owes it to itself to try to make sure that it is not perpetuating harmful whiteness yeah. power, and power structures of whiteness yeah. and i think broader uh or not broader but switching over to the witchiness trend mm -hmm. i just encourage anybody who's listening who is part of that community um or somebody who is not part of that community, but is tempted to uh, participate in the capitalism of that, to think twice about buying the cup with Bette Midler that says 100% that witch, <laughs> um, however funny it is, because I think that what we need, 
we're in a great awakening right now not a christian one but a spiritual one and a witch one and new age it's the age of aquarius it's great that people want to be involved and people should be involved Mm -hmm. i do want to say that i think that every single person has the ability within themselves to become a strong and powerful practitioner um it matters what you let get in the way of yourself and if you get stuck in the capitalism and if you get stuck in the witchiness which i think is the road that taylor is kind of tempting us to go down Mm -hmm. if you go down that road it might not end well just as far as it might lead to some disenfranchisement so i just hope in general we can be mindful of some I hope we can be mindful of appropriating these experiences the way that we are becoming more mindful of appropriating experiences of color and experiences of sexuality and gender. Mm-hmm. Like I hope we can see this, give the same credence to not appropriating these kind of niche cultures. Yeah. Um, I guess that's what I have to say. Yeah. I love you, Taylor, in spite of your flaws. Be it known. <laughs> I'm not a not a Taylor hater. I'm not Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, Frank, so much for coming and talking with me. This has been so much fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, download this episode. Like us. Follow us. Follow us on Instagram at Let's Get Bitchin'. Uh, we want to be your best friends. And um, if you haven't already gone down the Gaylor rabbit hole, this is your second sign from Let's Get Bitchin' to go down the rabbit hole. Let it be known just enter it just accept it this is what we all need um and i hope that this was informative for you and i hope that if you're listening to this and you're like fuck am i cottage core you might be and Mm -hmm. it will change your life if you are so please uh look into it and And if (laughs) and if you're listening to this and you think i might be an actual witch look into it If you might be both, look into You might be a cottagecore witch. You never know. Um, you're welcome. Us out here spreading the good weird word. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift. Amen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Happy Monday. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. Woo.